plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we're back. Uh, don't mind that we're recording this Thursday and uploading it Thursday because we moved our schedule back to accommodate for recording issues. And we still are recording the day before it goes up. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, good enough. Had a reasonable day at work. Uh, got some training done for our new transition thing with inventory. I don't want to get into it. It's not terribly interesting. But uh, had a, basically an easy day at work because three hours of it was soaked up driving to and from our main branch. Uh so that Ew. made for a nice short day. That sucks. Eh, I, that's what I signed on to do originally was just drive. So I'm like, eh, three hours in a truck, throw on a podcast and call it good. Yep. Like that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I wish I had cruise control in my truck. That you have cruise sucked. control? No. Don't you have a newer truck? Yes. I went from an older truck to a newer truck and lost cruise control. I say, cause I've been in your old truck and it has cruise. Sure does. That's ridiculous. Seat also goes back further in that thing, too. It was not a total win. I got remote start and lost like a couple inches of legroom and cruise control. Yeah, I don't I think I'd rather have cruise control over remote start. Well, to be perfectly honest, with the winter we have, I'd agree. Because yeah. we didn't it snowed like there was one major snow event. Yep. And, and then last week was kind of cold. Yeah. And it was over the weekend, so I didn't even <laughs> use the remote start. Yeah, I did not chip much ice this year. Yeah. So like it just it didn't really uh, benefit me, but because of the promotion I got, which I've mentioned before, I'm going to be in an even newer one anyways. One of the ones that's your size. Oh. So we're just waiting to get a new person in the warehouse. So you're not going to run parts anymore? I do, but they'll have the other guy in the bigger truck. Okay. So the the warehouse gets one small one and two big two big ones. I see. I and see. And uh, my position gets the small one. Okay. That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take it, because like... I have to deal with fewer water heaters because I'm in the smaller truck. That's true. <laughs> they don't fit very well. They don't fit. So, like, you can fit them, but... If I take all of my machines out, I can fit one on its side. Yeah. And prob- and I can guarantee you, you probably can't fit all different shapes and sizes on their uh, side. Some of them not. are pretty big. Yeah, probably not. Get one of those 75 or 80 gallon Oh, I definitely ones. couldn't fit one of those. Yeah. No, no, no. I can probably fit... I, I know I can fit a 40. I think I can fit a 50. Maybe. So, other than that, uh, as you saw when you came over, I was playing Resident Evil 4. We had been playing Resident Evil 5 a week or two ago, and then Resident Evil 4 is now being remade. The It launches, I think it might be, tom- I think sometime in the next week. It might well, be, like, like, so, it might already be out. I don't have a PlayStation 5 yet. Um, the funny thing is, last week, there was a big stink because some physical copies got leaked. Uh-huh. And so people were like streaming it on Twitch and whatnot. And I'm not going to lie. It drives me nuts that like they they boot these people off Twitch, like because some megacorp says you can't have you can't play this game until this date instead of this date. It's like, well, I paid for this product. I have an account on Twitch. I'm not breaking the law because street dates are not like legal things like you can't get arrested for playing a video game a week before its official release. Now, you may be in trouble selling it. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, but you I, don't owe Capcom anything as a player to not buy a game yeah, that GameStop will sell you. And so like, cool. YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff were like taking all this stuff down. Uh, and the general um, consensus, though, is that the game's pretty good. So good. I decided to see it. So I started, I was playing Resident Evil 4, having a good time on that, shooting zombies. Um, Getting your shit kicked in. So whether you died <laughs> or not, I watched you get your shit kicked in. Well, you got watched me get kicked, literally kicked by I, a giant. Yeah, <laughs> yes. this is, dude was three um, stories tall. The uh, 
like I was telling you, I have this issue where like I've played the game so many times, but it's been so like I played the game when it came out on GameCube and then on PlayStation 2 and then again on 360. This is another one of those games that I've bought like four or five times and then again on PC. I don't think I've bought any games more than once. Yeah, I. to be mm. fair, you mostly play mostly on PC. Yeah, maybe... I think I rebought. I think I bought Borderlands to play again with, um, with you and Alex. Yeah, but I don't. I haven't really gone back and replayed any of the old games I used to have. Mm-hmm. And th- well, that's what gets me is like I buy it originally, but like, and then I'm like, oh, they just did. They released this on this new console. Um, apparently, it's really not that the game's terribly hard, but it's supposed to be really easy on the Wii because like the. I mean, you played Resident Evil Five. The aiming mechanic mechanics are similar. Um, it's, they're a little rougher in four, uh-huh. so it's a little hard. It's even harder to aim because it's very like his hands twitch a lot. So yeah. the, like the lasers bouncing around a lot, but on the Wii, you can just point to where you want on the screen. So you're not trying to do it with a joystick. Yeah, you just point easier. to the top, right. And he just aims to the top, yeah, right. That's way fucking easier. <laughs> so, uh, but I never actually played it on the Wii. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's, you can see the, the inspirations they drew from with four in five like directly some of the levels are very similar in design um in four they introduce ashley <laughs> the the plot of resident evil 4 is straight out of like bad movie writing uh-huh. like zombies have kidnapped the president's daughter are you a bad enough dude to rescue her oh, okay that's that's the plot yep, like that's it, an 80s movie yeah leon is like i work for a secret thing for directly for the president and they've kidnapped the president's daughter uh-huh. and it's just you know it's silly but you had the game is like i don't know the exact percentage but somewhere between 30 and 50 percent escort quest like it's kind of like playing five like if you're playing it solo and you'd have sheva running yep. around behind you only ashley's completely helpless I've, I've seen um it's it's i went through a phase where i was watching like mojo whatever the youtube channel where they, they ranked stuff mm-hmm. and i've seen a lot of references to um resi 4 yeah and how fucking annoying it is to drag this useless character around the entire game it it can be annoying one of the best things about that game though so when you beat it you unlock an uh like an alternate side thing i can't remember it might be called separate ways where you play as one of the other characters ada wong and when you beat that you unlock a new costume for leon and ashley for uh-huh. leon it's this like suit with like you know a hat and scarf and stuff and he looks really cool he looks like a 19 like 20s gangster right yeah with ashley it's a medieval suit of armor she's invincible and she can't get picked up yep. so she turns from a huge liability to a enormous asset because one of the things you can do with ashley is like you can tell her to like hide in places or whatnot and you can do the whole traditional like fable wait follow kind of thing uh-huh. so you can run ahead tell her to wait all the enemies will run right at her and attack her she can't take any damage yep and every time they try to pick her up she's so heavy they fall with her and they yeah. drop her so like she's the ultimate tank yeah she's <laughs> perfect put her in the way and meanwhile you're just standing like you know 10 feet behind her just shooting at these people that will not stop chasing her yeah ultimate easy mode yeah it's it's and it's it's like super fun to play with that um there's also a ton of other cool stuff you get like a um you can get a tommy McGu- tommy gun a, a tommy McGun. Well, what i was gonna say it's called the chicago typewriter yeah. um and it's got if i remember correctly it's, it might not start with it but you can get infinite ammo for it it does a fucking ton of damage too yeah so you just play through that dressed as a gangster with ashley 
in a medieval around. suit of armor and just, just mowing down zombies. Yep, just having fun on easy mode. Yep. So there's a ton of stuff to that I love about that game. It's it's routinely on like top 100 games of all time for good reason. It's a it's a fantastic game. Um, kind of broke the Resident Evil genre from like survival horror into more like horror action horror. But is it better than Dark Souls? I don't know. I've never played Dark Souls. I've never played Resi 4. Yep. So a they're lot probably, of people would say yes. They're probably uncomparable. Basically. I mean, it's it's like, is chocolate or vanilla better? Yeah. Well, I like ice cream. Yep. And they're both amazing. <laughs> and they're both awesome. So, yep. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, playing Resident Evil 4 until I get pissed off like those giants. That yeah. I complete, you fight these two giants and you can drop one into a pit of lava and... uh Jake came over while I was fighting him, and I had completely forgotten that if you get too close to the edge, they the giant will reach out and grab you and pull yeah. you into the lava. Forgot about that, <laughs> so that got me a couple times. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun, though. It's a good game. What about you? Hmm. The biggest thing going on is I finish my program tomorrow. I'm not done being an apprentice, but the apprenticeship with this company is over tomorrow. Even though I technically was promoted to a full-fledged position uh, a month ago beginning of the beginning of this month the program is comes to its conclusion tomorrow we have a little ceremony we get our little certificates we get a little pay raise which is nice uh, we're actually scheduled we're i'm planning with everyone we're gonna go out to dinner afterwards it'll be really fun but that's the only thing like really going on with work uh, my job has been a combination or it's been either nothing going on and i go home at one o'clock or i'm out till fucking seven yeah and i only ever go home early on mondays where we can't record because I have to host Pioneer Nights, or I work till seven Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep. <laughs> it's just it's just it's a it's a fucking clusterfuck. Um, and there's been some bullshit, and then there's been some stuff that's probably my fault. Most of it hasn't been my fault. Um, so I'm pretty sure my supervisor doesn't listen to the podcast. So I'm gonna <laughs> throw him under the bus a little bit. We had a scenario the other day where. Um, I am a drain specialist and a maintenance plumber. So I do drains and I do basically preventive maintenance on homes. If you have something broken, you call a service plumber because like, hey, this thing doesn't work. Figure out why it doesn't work. Fix, and fix or it or replace it. Fix or replace it. Yeah. So we had a service diagnostic and I got placed on me. I had to, uh, I was I was actually meant, I was uh, apprenticing under a, a service plumber. He was quoting a repipe on a house because they knew their pipes redone. And um, I, I know how to, put the numbers in for how much pipe is going to be redone. But I want to know how, how are we going to run this? What do you, what do you plan on changing about this layout? How are you going to redo it? Um, Cause that's, that's what I need to know when it comes to doing a repipe. Yeah. The physical, like attaching two pipes together. Yeah. And I get that I'm going to need about, you know, 50 foot of pipe yeah. and it has to eventually, it has to run over to this downspout into the ground. How do you make but, it work e- efficiently and look yeah. good? And what are you looking for? What are you worried about? What are you yeah. planning? So after that, I had to go change vans because I was doing Matt's job for a day. I had to be a parts runner. And they put on me a service diagnostic, which is um, somebody put it, they had a different company put a new uh, new shower valve in. And the shower valve is what's inside the wall. And that's what holds all the guts when you turn the knob and it turns the hot water on or the cold water on and mixes it. All those guts sit in the shower valve. And it wasn't working right. And my super, I, I was, uh, I talked to the people in the office and I said, hey, I don't really work with shower valves. And by that, I mean, I never have. Mm-hmm. Like I've pulled a couple cartridges out and the cartridge is this, the guts that uh, mix the water and all that stuff. And I can pull all that stuff out. But I've never done really anything with a shower valve. 
do you guys mean to put that on me? And they were like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so said you could probably handle it. And it's probably just upside down, just needs flipped and it's gonna be super easy. And I was like, <laughs> they made a comment and I thought I was very proud of myself because she was joking. And she said, oh yeah, they had some hick, some hick dumb plumber come install it and he probably put it upside down. And I was like, well, I have bad news because they have a hick dumb plumber on their way now to fix it, to fix it. <laughs> Cause I don't know anything about shower valves. So I didn't, they, they pulled it off me. They, they said, well, that's someone else. If you're not comfortable, we'll have someone else do it. Then don't worry about it. And for reference, if I'd ever done a single shower valve, I'd be a little more okay with like, oh, we'll go figure it. We'll go take a look at it. But I have no idea. I've seen one or two um, at the training school. Yeah. Anyway, so I talked to the other maintenance plumber and uh, she told me she went on that call today. And guess what? It was a clusterfuck. It wasn't upside down. It wasn't simple. It was a miniature clusterfuck. And and they got to a solution. They figured it out. But like it wasn't a simple thing. Just here, just go do it. It was a miniature clusterfuck. And if I had no idea what I was looking at, I would have looked like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And so I'm glad I didn't go on that fucking call. Yep. Well, it's one of the things that's difficult from like not only a technician's perspective, but a management perspective as well. Is like, at what point do I start putting you on stuff that you're like, where's your line? Because yeah. like you can't all, and you can't I, I know you know this, doing the same you, you got to learn and keep growing and whatnot. And it's just like, well, we think this is going to be simple. Yeah. But as we've said a hundred times, every job is one broken bolt away from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, massive the saying repair. is every 20 minute job is a broken bolt away from a two day ordeal. Right. And that's these like <clears throat> shower valves can be like a, a cartridge is a great example where a lot of times, let's say if you have a shower and you turn the shower off and it drips. Or a faucet. Faucets have cartridges too. And you turn your cold faucet off and it drips. And it just slowly drips forever. Most likely the problem is the cartridge. It has a bad seal in it. Or it's just it's just breaking down. It's getting old. You know, they're mostly made of plastic. Or either, either they're made of plastic or they're 50 years old. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times all you got to do is pull the cartridge out, put a new cartridge in. As long as you don't break anything, pulling the cartridge out. And that's one of those where like this five minute fix of like, oh, Bink, pull out, insert, turns into, well, now I have to cut your wall open to replace the shower valve. Because once you break the shower valve, removing the cartridge, or you break the cartridge off in the shower valve, mm-hmm. now it's there forever. Yeah. And so, like, it's just easy to fuck things up. And, again, my I'm not afraid of doing, like, I all the time, I, you know, I'll call my supervisor and I'll be like, hey, this situation is kind of weird. It's a little different. You know, you, I'm kind of thinking this. What do you think? But when I have literally never done any work on something... Don't send me out by myself because it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's like we know something's wrong with it. And I if I'd seen 10 shower valves, I could probably be like, well, that's the weird part. That doesn't make any sense. But they're all weird because I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> yep. That'd be like if you've never worked on a car and I said, hey, what's wrong with that engine? I don't fucking know. Well, the the spark plugs are wired are wired crossed. Okay, well, how would I know that? I never seen a spark plug wiring. Right. So I was a little frustrated with that, but ended up being fine. Um, and of course, I had to call him a little bit later. I had a question about something, and uh, I got the like disappointed dad tone, where it's like, "So I heard you didn't want to go on that call. I just want to let you know I have faith in you." Blah blah blah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you. I appreciate that." But only one of us does, because <laughs> I don't fuck <laughs> never touched it. Yeah. Fun fact, though, I did get to fix a tub drain that hasn't drained right in eight years. I was able to figure out the problem and I got it fixed without having to tear anything apart, take anything apart. Um, and old tubs, you know how you're seeing an old tub where the, 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 the stopper on the bottom is run on a little lever on the overflow. Mm-hmm. You like, you'll turn the lever and it, it'll plug it. Yeah. 
um, on theirs some number of years ago, that part came off and it fell in and she didn't know why it quit working. So she just quit using it and she started using a, uh, a little like, like, like a granny stopper yeah. for her tub. And over the years, it's just gotten worse and worse on how it's super slow. Won't drain. It takes half an hour for the tub to drain. And had someone come out a few years ago, and they ran a snake through it, and they it got a little better, pulled some hair out, but you know, it's and it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And after taking everything apart, I told her I'm not going to run a machine. I don't. The other person shouldn't have either. She has all uh, copper pipes, mm-hmm. copper drain lines, and um. Once upon a time, they used copper for drain lines, big old three-inch copper yep. for your main. The problem is copper's very thin, and it gets thinner as time goes on. Eventually, it'll wear through and be super thin. You just run a cable in there. It's so easy it's to punch kinda, a hole yeah. in. Yeah, I've seen them, like the ones that get brought back, Yeah, because I deal with the scrap copper, and they're just like corroded through, yep. and they're, they're very they get, brittle. and They get so thin. And then, yeah. like th- this, that stuff's been there for, the house was built in the, I think she said the 70s or the 60s. It's been there for 60 years. Like, it's thin. And so, like, I'm not going to run a machine in it. And uh, while fishing around with a hand snake, trying to get some, trying to figure out what's going on, I actually just got lucky and grabbed a hold of the inner mechanism and pulled it up. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And I pulled it up and out and the tub went whoosh. <laughs> it just drained. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. And it was all, it was, I mean, it was a hair mess. It was a hair net. Yeah. This big old coiled spring oh, that was yeah. sitting in Anything there. Anything that's in there is going to catch every single hair that goes down it's that drain. It just grabbed everything. And yeah. so it was super cool to get a big win and be like, yeah, I'm the one that fixed that. I, yep. I fixed an eight year problem that no one else could figure out. So yay me. So some wins, and then so the house they had a, a service plumber coming the next day to work on the cartridge because they had a leaky shower, and I was like, "Well, I won't work on shower valves, but I will work on cartridges." And so I I pulled it apart and I tried to pull the cartridge out, and I pulled on it hard enough that I was like worried, and I was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna pull anymore." <laughs> yep. Like this is where I put, and there's a I need to buy one, but I mean like not really because I don't do service calls. There's a tool. They have um Moen and Delta are your two big. Uh, showers or your faucets in general and if it's not a moen or a delta it's probably a ripoff or a knockoff of a moen or a delta same same shape same design yeah. and uh moens have a tool little 20 dollar tool that is like a little it's like a little wheel puller but it just cranks that thing out by holding itself against the frame of the valve and mm-hmm. so you don't break anything when you yes, pull it out because right now what i'm doing is i'm putting a pair of pliers on it and i'm just fucking hoping pulling on the whole thing hoping you don't trash a piece of plastic well uh, yeah or rip the valve out of the wood or or just break something off and so and so a a plumber a a, a service plumber went out there today and was able to fix it and i talked to him about it and like win some you lose some (laughs) but like when it feels nice in that situation where i'm not here to work on this and so i don't mind fussing with it a little bit and i can be like i'm with my hands up i don't know how to do it but you, you already have an appointment scheduled. But if you call us and I show up and I fussed it for 20 minutes and I go, I don't know, wouldn't you be pissed? Yeah. Not to mention, it's always like, he, my supervisor's always like, well, you can call me and ask me. And I'm like, I get that. And I appreciate it. Nothing makes me feel fucking dumber than being on the phone in a customer's house. So how do you do it? What do you take out? Right. Where do you pull? How hard do I pull? Wouldn't that drive you crazy? If, I mean, we're not cheap. And plumbing isn't cheap in general. If you're paying me a lot of money to work on this, don't know what you're doing. And what you hear is someone walking me through the process. Cause that's my first thought would be, why the fuck am I paying a guy that doesn't know what he's doing? Mm-hmm. So I hate that. I hate being in that situation. Um, which is why I try to avoid it. <laughs> um, 
I went to one at Pioneer. I was, oh, dude, I didn't tell you. Pioneer, we had 13 people. Oh, nice. We had a huge showing. Um, it was super fun. I got to meet, uh, uh, it was one of those, we only had one new person, um, a friend of mine, actually one of our new patrons, Winter, uh, brought his girlfriend or their girlfriend, Rosalind, and like it was really fun to get to hang out. She plays Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot. And so it was, it was kind of cool. Uh, she plays magic, she plays like like tabletop and a little bit of commander, but we were playing a lot of magic and there was a lot of like, oh, it's kind of like in Yu-Gi-Oh! how you do this. And there was a lot, there's obviously a lot of comparisons. And it was yeah. kind of cool to get to someone who lives and breathes Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of analyzing magic through a Yu-Gi-Oh! lens. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was a super big showing, had tons of fun, went to one again, still chasing that 3 0. Like the deck, you it's, got your 3 0, not yeah, with Rot Priest, but I always chase a 3 0. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I just always want a 3 0. The deck is getting better where um the fail rate is getting more narrow and so for example like game one uh went pretty smoothly stomped uh actually was playing rosalind and uh just had a really good draws did really well game or match two i played against burn and kept i had them keeping a one land hand because i had a i had land and and like elvish mystic mm-hmm. like i can i can work on this i just gotta find a land in the next couple and i at one point counted i was 13 cards deep and never found a second land. And was able to kind of... I mean, like, I got... Uh, I was playing uh, Dinesh. And I got him to nine poison counters. When he swung for lethal. And he got me... And he had lethal. And I, he had two cards in hand. But I'm pretty sure he didn't have any burn spells. Because he hasn't been, he had, didn't kill my stuff. Um, I got He got me to lethal exactly. Mm-hmm. He had exactties. Almost did it. But I don't think it's anyone's fault for losing. When you have one land in the top. Literally 13 cards. I counted. And then game two, you had to mold a five. Just two unkeepable hands. And a mold of five against burn is... You're in trouble. Pretty unwinnable for the most part. Um, I'm not playing like a severe combo deck that I can outrace him. Um, so that game was over. Uh, Dinesh actually went on to 3-0, which I was really happy for him. And then round three, it just the deck just... It just like... The, the, the strategies are lining up with each other well enough that when the deck even does okay, it does really well. And then the when it shits the bed, it still shits the bed. But... It is a hyper powerful deck, and so I think that's what you get when you have hyper powerful. Sometimes the deck does nothing. You have to you you have to balance the scale somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that a million times on it, here. Power versus consistency. Yeah, if you're going to have super high power, it's probably going to be lower in the consistency, and it kind of is. But I had a lot of fun playing. There's a big tournament. It's actually a 5K. That tournament I told you about in Indy. Mm-hmm. That we are going to we're going to play Pioneer on Sunday, and I'm really excited to take uh, Simic Rot Priest and. I would love to just get it published and so, like top 32 or top 16 would be so cool. I was talking to my wife about it one day. Cause I've been really passionate about this deck and having a lot of fun with it. And then so she was like, how do you like get people to know about this deck? Like, where do you put it so people can see it? And I'm like, uh, you win with it. That's how you get people to see it. If you yep. want people to see your deck, you got to win with it. So I've been playing it a little bit on MTGO. I've been playing it a lot in paper, been taking it to RCQs and I'm taking this 5k and I'm really excited to see what happens. But I should quit talking about my dumb Rot Priest deck and instead talk about our not dumb, super awesome, favorite people in the world, our patrons. If you want to join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Um, hop in there. I saw so some of our patrons like Emperor upped up. He's getting that playmat coming soon. Uh, our new patron, Winter, they're getting their playmat coming soon. So like tons of sweet merch in there. Tons of bonus content. We record between 30 minutes and an hour of bonus content every single week for our patrons. Sometimes and, more. 
sometimes more. And it's it's anything from sometimes we do Pioneer, sometimes we do just life events or talking about other projects we have brewing. So all kinds of crazy stuff. But a huge shout out to Emperor, especially for putting our podcast on Reddit every single week and for uh, getting some fun games on the uh, Discord with. Had a lot of fun playing Modern against him. Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Mono Wolf also had a ton of fun playing uh, against Mono Wolf. Mono Wolf crushed me playing Hammer Time. I believe it was a turn two kill. Nice. It was fucking bonkers. And then game, uh, we went to game three, and I, I remember saying out loud, "Okay, so I'm really worried about. I I need him to not have. Uh, it was Hammer or Containment Priest, not Containment Priest, uh, Hushbringer. Mm-hmm. And I had to grief him." And he already had Sigarda's eight out, and he had Hushbringer and Hammer. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I ended up losing. I am just getting the shit kicked out of me. Because I, I realized midway through that game that I can't beat a resolved Hushbringer very well. Nope. All my removal is ETB-based. Whoops. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're hoping to hardcast one of those elementals, right? Or no, there's... It's, it's ETB, I, yeah. No, I was... I was, For whatever and, reason, my... In my head, yeah. I was thinking the dude that you can't cast stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like that. No, but even... Um, but yeah, uh, Hushbringer just screws that whole yep. deck up. Even Archon, I have to attack with it. Yeah. And it's... I just... It was very, very good against me. Um, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, Limit of Questions, and like I said, our newest patron. Thank you very much for joining in. Winter, uh, actually someone that I play with on Pioneer, Pioneer Mondays. They've uh, come off and on here and there. I'm guessing they've got some more free times. They've been a little more. I've seen them a little bit more and they've been talking about playing a little more, but super happy to see you. I know that they were doing a lot better with their uh, cat deck last week. They had to make some changes. I actually saw the Moxfield on our discord and it's been really fun to watch uh, winter kind of build this deck from when they started. And it was kind of no offense, winter kind of a pile of cats that were fun to play and it's transitioned towards a, um, What's that sovereign? Feldar Sovereign oh. life gain deck, mm-hmm. which if we're being honest, Feldar Sovereign is a difficult win con to run down, but it was really, it's really cool to see the deck transition to a, a real game plan. We have a, we have a goal. We have a way we're going to win. We're going to defenses up tons of lifelink, tons of protection, tons of, tons of walls. And I'm going to get to 50 life or 40 life and win the game. And that's a, that's, that's how you make a deck better is you find a lane and run down it. Yep, I can definitely appreciate the uh, alternate win con. I've had a Battle of the Wits deck in the past, which drove Derek nuts. Uh, he because it takes half an hour to shuffle? No, we had a really weird game, and I don't even remember the detail. I mean, this was this was back in high school, so I don't even remember the details. I just remember that card was a running joke with us. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, I had a Battle of Wits deck, um, a Mortal Kombat deck with Morality Shift. So Morality Shift... Ex- it, exchanges your library in your graveyard so yes. then you just have 20 creatures in your isn't that paradigm shift oh no no no, no. real that paradigm shift i think paradigm shift like exiles a bunch exiles your library and you make your that's what it like is yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't switch them it yeah. exiles your library and your graveyard becomes your library yeah these were all like casual kind of you know yeah screwing around decks and i had a uh there's a green one it's it came out in the same set as mortal kombat torment um but it was the green one. I, you had to have like 20 creatures and your upkeep. You won. Gotcha. Uh, I'm a huge fan of alternate win cons. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it feels really good. It does. You don't win very often, but it's just like, ha got gotcha. ya. Yep. yep. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, and the big thing is like, all those were like on your upkeep. 
Yeah, which is really hard to do. I mean, Felder Sovereign's hard to have it all all line up on your upkeep. When you could be sitting at 100 life and they just go terminate. Yep, that's all it takes. But when you make it happen, it's very satisfying. So uh, thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to Winter, our newest patron. Like I said, if you guys want to ha- um, hop in, help support the podcast in a very direct way, we appreciate it. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. But Matt, uh, let's get to how is Legacy looking we had a super qualifier, didn't we? Yes. Uh, or was it, was it a showcase? Showcase challenge. We had a Legacy big, we showcase had a, challenge. A big tournament, a big turnout. Uh, I believe there were 300 people. Ballpark. Um, looks like we got a week off of Delver. <laughs> 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 the, the band bought us a week. <laughs> so The meta share... No, it's fucking terrible. Because like, I forgot because it broke up the Delvers. Yeah. So yeah, the meta share is awful. So, I mean, it's better. But and it's it is, not great. It is cool. So um, there's a lot of is it Delver, and there's a ch- good chunk of of uh, rug Delver. Yeah, I do enjoy seeing Delver at least branch out to legitimately different strategies. But it is still a lot of Delver. It's still a lot of Delver. Um, speaking of which, Jacob is boss. I agree. Brought it home with rug Delver. So we'll go through it. I maintain Tarmogoyf is not a good creature in 2023. You're incorrect. <laughs> Uh, we'll go through this pretty quickly. There's very few differences between this and the blue-red Delver that we've been talking about for the past year and a half. Uh, we've got four Delver of Secrets, four DRC, three Tarmogoyf, and then three Murktide. Um, then we've got, basically, we're looking to replace Expressive Iteration, effectively. Yep. That's kind of what we're looking to do. Uh, so we've got three Tarmogoyf, and then two Chain Lightning, and then you cut another Murktide out of there, and that's your five cards. Yep. That's basically the swap. So there's um, a, a little bit of play in the spell suite. Like there's yeah, spell like, pierce, there's like but, spell pierce, but like yep. in general, the, the, the two chain lightnings um, and the three goifs are that's the big change. Yep, big pickups. Um, obviously, in the main, we now have two tropical islands. Uh, I don't. I don't think blue red delver was on four bobble either. Was it always on four bobble? It might have been like two or three, typically speaking. So it might yeah. So like, and I've seen four before. As again, it's there's there are a few flex slots. Yeah, some minor changes. Some minor changes, but at at its core, this deck is still doing Delver things. Mm-hmm. Probably slightly worse Delver things, but still kind of demonstrates where the deck... I mean, it's absurd to me that people were like, Delver's just fine when we ban the best card selection slash advantage engine in Legacy, and Delver then is still yeah just fine. It's still... Doing very, very good. So all the Delver pilots, the sky has not fallen. Yeah, I don't think anyone thought it was. There were a couple people. Oh my I read gosh. plenty of comments Jeez that, where they're like, oh my god, my deck, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, for well, real? Your deck is amazing. You got, again, I like five strict upgrades over the last year and a half, and you've lost three of them now. Right. So you have You're still only, DRC and Merc Tide ahead. Yeah. You know what I've gotten over on fucking Blue-White Control? Prismatic Ending. That's it. Hey, you got uh, Court of Grace. <laughs> Yep. No. I, blue white con- cunning. Blue white control didn't get court of grace. I got court of grace. I didn't I, say blue white control. I, I said you got. Court I of love grace. court of grace. But yeah, like and and prismatic ending is a good card. It's a very good answer, but it's an answer. Doesn't fucking kill anybody. Doesn't make. Doesn't help me churn through my deck faster. Doesn't swing for eight every turn. Yep. Uh, sideboard. Uh, the big thing here. The, at least the big two changes we're going to see your one ground seal uh for we haven't actually talked about ground seal much so it's a two mana one and a colorless uh enchantment when an etbs draw a card 
It's one, one green of, and a colorless. <laughs> so no, it's just it's just yeah, funny. one and a colorless. Because my brain autofilled the what a card would look like, and it was one one. Yep, <laughs> green. Uh, cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities. So, yep. So um, it comes into cantrips. Comes into cantrips. Shuts off most reanimator strategies yeah. and a couple other things. It shuts off, I think, the relevant graveyard based yeah. decks. Um, then we've got two submerged. That's whether your tropical island is buying you. So you get three Tarmogoyf, a ground seal, and two submerged. Um, then the typical stuff. We're now we're still at four pyroblast. I don't think that's that's clearly the correct decision. I mean, pyroblast. Delver is still everywhere, yep. and just tides are still everywhere. Force of Will still in sixty six percent of decks. So, so um, first tangent because I'm already done talking about Delver. I've been thinking about this, and uh, I was thinking about whether or not Containment Priest or Rest in Peace are better. And uh, and uh, think of Rest in Peace like Ground Seal. Sure, that same thing. What's better against graveyard decks? Enchantment based. Um, lock pieces or creature based lock pieces and I think I like I I think like creatures are where it's at I think people need to take their rips out take your ground seals out you need to be putting in creature based graveyard hate because what is every what is what is every freaking reanimator deck or just graveyard deck in general running the these enchantment fu- removal these fucking enchantment removals these yep. mass enchantment removals because like ley line of the void is the problem uh, rest in peace is the problem like it's really hard for stock reanimator to just remove a containment priest. Yeah, we kind of touched on this a bit, a little bit, either last week or the week before. After so many episodes, it just kind of yeah, it all the, blends. the The past six episodes basically blend into one giant mega episode. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, we've talked about that before. I forget which card we were talking about, but we were, we brought that up where it was just like, well, they were probably they could have been running this because like, what does yeah, what does like, reanimator do against a resolved creature? Like, imagine. They're Rest both, in Peace was stapled on a 2-1. I know. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, they're both, um, they're, because I was thinking in my mind, because I'm bored driving around sometimes, like, what would I run? Like, what what do I want to run against Reanimator? Because I'm thinking, I've been thinking a little more about building Legacy again. Um, what do I want to have? And in my opinion, if you're, if you're worried about legitimately Reanimator um, or Cephalid Breakfast, which are the two big ones, the two big, big graveyard decks right now, it's, it's uh, Fairy Macabre. I think that's the best card to run. It's an uncounterable effect. Um, you can do it. It's instant speed. It hits exactly what you need it to in those decks. Like it's about as good as it gets. You don't have to hold up mana. You don't have to worry. It's um, they can thought seize it, but that's most things. Like most of the time, you're gonna hit. You're getting hit with. The, you need to draw it around the time they're gonna go off anyway, because they're gonna thought seize you pretty heavily throughout the game. Like the like the the pros to something permanent based is you can like draw it and slam it, but like I like I love and that, but that just they're playing around it now. You can the blowouts of the fairy macabre are so good, and then once we get past that, am I running containment priest or rest in peace? And like I think containment priest is just better. I think it's just better with the way at least reanimator decks are built for sure. Cephalid breakfast decks are the other kind of like well I don't know about that because it's cephalid breakfast. But like against the current builds, the nice thing of uh, the nice thing t- to kind of back you up here is we're not talking about which one of these cards we want to exist. So like reanimator can only stretch its sideboard and its main list so much. So like it, they typically speaking have to choose, are they going to answer enchantments or are they going to answer creatures? And then it's just a guessing game. Like if 90% of the fields running enchantment, like rest in peace, 
then your containment priest is just going to go off and be unanswered. Realistically, nine times out of ten, it's going to be Layla in the Void. That's right. just, I mean, if we're running, like, I if we're running enchantment-based removal or whatever, I'm in blade control, no one else is. That's why I think of Rest in Peace. But, like, Layla in the Void is just better for 99% yeah, well, of decks. you don't actually have to cast it, and it's a, exactly. much better against Thought Season. Yeah, like much, that. much better. So, like... Yeah, we're all we're talking about second place. Yeah, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. we're arguing over which one is the yeah. next best leyline yeah. of the void. If we're talking about first, I in my mind, it's between Fairy Macabre and Leyline of the Void. Um, I think those both are fighting for first place. Where Leyline of the Void is, you know, it comes in, it sticks, but it's easy to remove um, and it's easy to play around. That's a very it's a very face up play. Whereas Fairy Macabre is susceptible to hand disruption, but is is very difficult to interact with on the stack. Um, it, you, it, it's a, it's hidden information. You don't know what's going on. It easily you can play into for it. Blowout. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those, those two cards are, com- should be competing for around first place. And like, well, how do I want to combat? And I would, I would put a decks. slash there and be like the fairy or surgical. I think surgical oh, yeah. is arguably like they, they function slightly differently. They do slightly different things. Yeah. But like, I would say surgical is probably at least either tied for second or third place. Yeah. Surgical could be in there. Cause, yeah. cause you can, the blowout could just be the game is over. Yeah. And uh, there's some decks that are just, you resolve a surgical, the, the right yeah. surgical and the game is just done. Yeah. The game's over. So that's definitely, definitely true. But yeah, then I was thinking about second place. Cause I was, someone I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about rest in peace or something like that. And my brain got running on containment priest, rest in peace, you know, where, and running through the sideboard hate you're having to fight through with these car, with these decks. And I'm like, they really like, so, um, Cephalid Breakfast can bring in Swords of Plowshares out of the side and Prismatic Ending, which those will do it. Um, but Prismatic Ending will take care of a rest in peace just as easily. Swords of Plowshares obviously won't, but they probably won't bring them in. They, they may or may not bring them in against you. They might not be prepared for that. And I don't think Reanimator really has any way to fucking deal with it. So it was just, yeah, which, which one's better? And I think Containment Priest is actually situated really well right now against the sideboard-based removal for these graveyard decks. The uh, the other thing to keep in mind, obviously, we're talking about the graveyard decks specifically, but when you branch out a little bit broader into the metagame as a whole, you start going, rest in peace may be worse against Reanimator, but rest in peace is a freaking house against Delver. Yeah, it does it shuts lock. off Murktide and now Tarmogoyf, DRC. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, if they're going to be running Goyf, it does make it a lot better. But to be fair, Rest in Peace also nukes your graveyard, and it a lot does. of the decks that would be running Rest in Peace would be running Uro as well. My other argument is it's a two man enchantment against the Wasteland Days deck. Yep. And like that's a big consideration too. It is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's to me, I look at Rest in Peace as like worst case scenario, it's probably going to be him to Turok. Best case scenario, you turn off literally three quarters of their threats. It is a really bad top deck because it does grow their Murktide. <laughs> You cannot play it once their Murktide's there. Once Murktide's there, it's yeah. iffy. Yeah. But the flip side is it can also come in afterward if Murktide's not there and just shut off a DRC. It does. It does. Yeah, turning a DRC. I mean, like... And I a Tarmog- I mean, you can just shrink oh, yeah. a Goyf to a 0-1. Yeah, zero, yeah, Goyf sucks now. DRC's a 1-1. I still maintain... I don't know if we talked about this either. I think we have. Like, do you think they'd play DRC if it was just a 1-1? If it never became a 3-3? I think they would. I think you'd still play. I think you'd still play, especially it'd in a Murktide probably world. Still be played in. I think it would tweak the list a little bit. It'd probably still be played in Legacy. I don't think it would see much play in Modern. The cantrips just aren't there to like. It's still. I, I think it's like. I think DRCs. Well, I don't know. Modern's different. Modern's just different. 
So, like, I don't think it would see a ton of play in modern unless it was in a combo perspective. Yeah. Like, at that point, it kind of becomes yeah, like how Underworld we... Breach. Underworld Breach pretty fucking good. Right. But it's not it's not the same type of card at that point. But I could still see something like if you took Delver, pivoted it towards the more grindy version of it, mm-hmm. and we're running that instead, where now it's there to generate a shit ton of value, but it's not necessarily... I mean, the... The surveil is huge, but the fact of the matter is, it's just fucking Delver secrets too. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> right. It's a three-three, which does. Which... It also does have to attack. Oh, so yeah, I would true. say that's probably a significant downside. When things like endurance exist, that's a big. Yeah. That's a big caveat. But yeah, but I mean, just no. I I maintain. I think it would still see play in Legacy. I think more than half. I think significantly more than half of the power of DRC is making your cantrips better, which does relegate it to Legacy a lot more. If it didn't have any three three ness to go with it, but like, well, and it's not even just your cantrips. That's true. I mean, you look at this; it's you got twenty three cards, or sorry, twenty seven cards in this deck in the main deck that trigger DRC. Yeah, every it's fifty percent of every non creature card in this non creature non land triggers DRC. Yeah, I know that's kind of like the point of it, but like the the that whole would, well, deck I, is that. I, yeah, it fifty percent of the deck. But fifty percent of the deck is is gets you a DRC, gets you a surveil, and that's what I was kind of getting at. Where I'm like, I think you you might want to pivot to something, maybe young pyromancer. Well, like you go down to like either tinker with like prowess or young pyromancer, something like that, or sprite dragon, where you're trying to cast like repetitive spells, maybe even ledger shredder, like because you'd need some other threat because losing DRC as an attacker does really hurt the offensive capabilities of the deck uh-huh. and i think you'd need to replace that with something i don't know which you know Goyf. build it would be in this uh probably not at this point <laughs> but i don't know i i for sure think it would still see play though oh yeah i think i i think that's unquestionable i think it'd still be a borderline staple in a lot of decks oh my god delver cost rug delver cost five thousand dollars sure does anywho that's delver it won again yep everyone's shocked i know second place We've got 12 rot. Uh, we haven't seen this in a while. No. We've got, it's the mostly green-white build of uh, Dark it's, Depths. It turns out that a 2020 cannot keep up with initiative, or at least a mono-white initiative. Right. That deck, this deck got fucking bodied by mono-white initiative and was just, I think it was, I mean, I don't think the Delver matchup that good to begin with. And uh, it was fucking hosed by Mono White Initiative. And with Mono White Initiative being gone, Initiative being a little slower, it's immediately back. Yep. And doing well. Second place. Doing very Presumably well. Presumably second place. Uh, there's not a ton here we haven't seen. We can kind of go over it. You got your typical Elvish Reclaimer, uh, Endurance, Knight of the Reliquary, Minskin Boo. That's where your red splash is coming from. Um, then we've got like a Pyroblast and Ari, a Red Elemental Blast in the side. Uh-huh. That's just your only red cards uh crop rotation green sun zenith swords to plowshares mox diamond sylvan library uh dark depths and thespian stage like that's the deck yep um the sideboard doesn't seem to have anything we haven't seen before i love gaddick teague and that was one of my favorite edh decks and uh not a whole lot of people liked playing against it so i took it apart yeah <laughs> it's very much a no fun deck yep <laughs> it's basically hate bears well it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. And even like just get just a premise of Gaddick Teague, like unless you're playing CDH, in which case who cares who's having fun? Like the premise of EDH is to cast big dumb spells. And Gag he says everything's gotta be three or less. Yep. Well, I liked him because like my whole goal of that was like, 
I've been so everybody starts out EDH, they kind of do wacky stuff. Yeah. I then did the same wacky stuff, then got a little more serious and did a bunch of like combo y crap like that. Yep. And then for a while, my goal was I'm going to make combat relevant. And you probably remember there's just a streak of deck after deck after uh-huh. deck where all I'm doing is sitting down, casting creatures for the most part, and doing whatever I can to make creature combat relevant in EDH in a four player game. Yeah. Gaddick Teague was one of the takes of that. Yep. Where it was just like, nobody gets to do big stuff. Yeah. We're going to keep the, gra- the game low to the ground. And I'm going to make my two twos and three threes relevant. Yeah. I'm going to go wide and beat face. The stacks did most of the work. Yep. Then I had like a bunch of other decks, knights and all kinds of crap like that. But I love Gaddick Teague. And I have since Lauren. Like that's, it's one of my favorite cards. It's a very good card. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to see it back. But yeah, we don't have, there's not a whole lot new here. Everybody knows about Minsk and Boo by now. Yeah. So. <laughs> the story's out. Story's out. Uh, third place, we have the half-predicted deck. Yeah. Um, we talked about this last week, the red-green initiative deck uh, with a million freaking lotus petals, effectively. Yeah. <laughs> uh, four, eight. Uh, and then chrome mocks. Yeah, which four, is, eight, 11. Yeah. 11 petals, and don't forget the eight, uh, eight soul lands to go yes. with them. So powering out... As quick as possible, preferably preferably turn one, more than likely turn two, Caves of Chaos Adventure or Undermountain Adventure, uh-huh. or potentially even a Minskin Boo. Or a Fable. Or a Fable. Like, all of these cards are so backbreaking turn one. Yeah. So, the, the, the funny thing is, the Fable, you're like, oh, thank God, it's just Fable of the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> yeah. I can probably survive this. Yeah. If they don't back this up with something, like, at that point, you go, okay, I have a shot here. Yep. But no, once Undermountain Adventure comes down, gets him a land, then untaps, <clears throat> punches, and makes two mana. Yeah. Like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pretty good. Uh, let's look at the sideboard. One Emrakul. Uh, Gotta respect Painter. Uh, Leyline. Painter's been fucking real lately. Yep. And then Dismember, Collector Oath, Pyroblast. So yeah, not a, nothing we, again, nothing we haven't seen before here. Yep. Uh, it's not uncommon for like a showcase challenge for there not to be a ton of innovation. Like that's yeah, because we're playing for money. We're playing for realsies. Yeah. Um, next up, it's listed as Rug Delver. This is just blue red Delver with two Minskin Boo on the side. Now there is there is a life from the loam. Don't get me wrong. Like, but this is in yep. a Sylvan Library. This is not what most people would consider. No, this is Rug Delver. No, this isn't like this. If it was, um, the Sylvan Library is what I think of when I think of Rug Delver for sure. But one Sylvan Library is not that big a deal. The big thing that pops into my head with Rug Delver is Nimble Mongoose and Goyf. Like, well, yeah, but no one plays Nimble Mongoose. But Goyf, 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 gets like played. those, those to me, like, yeah, those are it, and, the two primary like defining ones. Um, isn't Rug also Canadian Threshold? Yes. Yeah. That's so I. When I think of Rug Delver, I think of Goyf and Sylvan Library. Those are the two that I usually think of. Um, Goyf, just because it's Tarmor Goyf. And usually, because you're playing Tarmor Goyf, you're already playing green. One of the best green cards you can play is Sylvan Library. It's an amazing card advantage spell. So this one, we've got four Delver, four DRC, one Brazen Borrower. So we're sticking to that plan. A true name nemesis. Which is amazing. Yeah, I... I have mixed feelings about it. In the right environment, True Name Nemesis is awesome. In the I, wrong one, he's a three drop that's just yeah, Delver Secrets. <laughs> it's um, it's a good it's a good mirror breaker. 
It it, is, it's the best mirror breaker. It's like the game is fucking over. It also is very solid against initiative if it comes down. Like oddly, it's a, it's obviously quite a bit slower, but odd, they block all day. Oddly enough, I guess it, that that little message in my head of like the game's over in the mirror isn't true because like, well, the Merc Tide. Yeah, nice true name. Take eight. Yeah. Oh, uh, lightning bolt. You yeah, cool. I, I win that Take race. <laughs> yeah. No shit. By a lot. Yeah. Uh. Spells, we've got a couple more spells. Uh, only one chain lightning. We've got an unholy heat in the main, like from the loam, and then four, two force of negations in the main, and cutting two uh, Mishra's baubles, and then that one Sylvan library. So, makes sense to be in going up on force of will effects if you're going to be running things like Sylvan library. Yeah, like six forces is probably too many, or it's like because like I'm playing blue eye control, I usually play six forces, and it's very hard to support six forces. Yeah. Unless you have some legit card advantage going on. Well, and this one is, this deck looks a little bit closer to that, like, mid-rangey, like, true, like, really trying to push the game a little bit longer. Why else would you have Life from the Loam and Sylvan Library there in the first place? Yep. Like, casting two, two, two mana green spells that don't do anything right uh -huh. away is not typically speaking where we, I mean, if you look, we've got Rug Delver, that's what they want to be doing. Yep. If you pay two mana, you want to put five power on the board. Yep. Not draw, maybe draw a couple extra cards next turn and, and lose cost eight of life. life. So the uh, definitely geared a little bit towards a slower game plan. Uh -huh. The force of negation makes sense there because you're willing to pitch a couple cards in order to and get the game to go long enough that your card advantage engine gets online. Force of negation does become castable relatively quickly. Yeah, it is far more castable in this than force of will is. Yes. Um, sideboard, Graph Diggers, Cage, Hydroblast, Meltdown, which the Meltdowns probably came in real handy. Uh, eight Cast is one of the most played decks in the uh, top 32. Eight Cast is one of those free win decks. It just it just vomits the board so quickly. It's I mean, it was the premier aggro deck before Initiative. Yeah. Because it just goes so wide so fast. Mm -hmm. And you have to respect it. You do. Now, something like Delver has the tools in the main deck that it doesn't have to dedicate a ton of of sideboard slots to it and so you you know buy enough time hit him with a meltdown or two and mop it up with Merc oh Tide. yeah like dude, a meltdown sorry guys a little tired like meltdown is just the game's over yeah wait wait i mean you're you're fucking two mana six for one Gee, yep. like, you're done yeah i'm well fundamentally what it does is it strips their ability to go wide yeah and at that point if you can handle like the kappa cannon here and like i mean it, you can't you can't play when you're playing eight cash. You can't play around meltdown. Like imagine playing affinity in modern and like being like, okay, I'm gonna try and win the game, and oh, I have to worry about Jake pending a two mana games like a two mana board wipe. Yep. Well, like, they, you don't get to do both of those because the only way affinity works or eight cast works is you all just all of it, boom, dump it, or you're not doing anything powerful. Yeah. The uh, and affinity's been dealing with that with um, I can't think of the card name right now. It's the one that shuts off all activated abilities of artifacts. Oh no, Rod. It, there's an enchantment that does it. It's it's what modern affinity has to deal with. It's a white enchantment for two mana. Stony silence. Stony silence. That's basically modern's meltdown. Uh huh. Where it's just like you're racing stony silence. It's very hard to play around because you typically speaking don't even have a way to remove it once it's resolved. Nope. It's just like it comes down, and if you don't have a ton of creatures out, yep. that you can just. I mean, now you don't cast spells anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you can, if it's not perfectly paid for yeah. by affinity, you were done casting spells. Yeah. And yeah, the old, yeah, your lands don't tap for mana. Your, your spring drums are off. Yeah. You have your, you, you've got your two uh, frog mites. Yeah. Good luck. 
it's not like unbeatable, but it's very hard and yeah. meltdowns in the same category. Yep. Um, and we've got, let's see, hey, surgical extraction, red elemental yep. blast, pyroblast, counterbalance, unlicensed hearst. Again, a card that only really makes sense if you're planning on making the game go longer. Yep. Unlicensed hearst, in my opinion, becomes much better with the six main deck forces. Like if you're not like required to have that, I mean, especially when you combine it with the surgical extractions as well. Uh-huh. You're not required. Like you're buying yourself the time for unlicensed hearse to just take over the game. Yeah. And then you don't have to go all in on something that is a fantastic card, Leyline of the Void, but it's also a horrible card. It is. So it's just like past your opening hand, that card's uncastable in this yep. deck. But it's just like, well, I don't have to deal with that because I've got six forces and this has always been the strength of Del the Delver Shell anyways. I've already got the six forces, so I'm already pre-sideboarded. And I've got a couple surgicals, which are good, broadly speaking. And then I can, you know, finish the game with an unlicensed hearse, which is a fantastic answer and threat. Uh, then we got the Brothers Brotherhood's End to Minsk and Boo. Again, more evidence that we're going for that longer game. And then one submerge. So, yay, Delver. But we're going to have to at least talk about it this week. <laughs> After a couple weeks, we'll go right back to, and it's Delver. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Next up, we have something Jake will probably actually want to talk about. We have Bant. Control. I cannot tell you how much I want to play this deck, and I own like 95% of it. Just missing the lands, right? Savannah and Uros. I thought you had Uros. I don't have, no, I don't have fucking Uros. I never bought oh, Uro. you, oh, you proxied them back oh, in the yeah. day? Oh, gotcha. yeah. Uro and Endurance. I don't have Uro, I don't have Endurance. Gotcha. But yeah, this is a two dual land band control list, because you have, uh, you're trying to enable Ice Fang Quaddle, and just like everything I want to be doing with, with band control, like... Just, I love it. Jace as your top end. Jace and Narset, such fun cards to slam. Uro, a, a super fun card to run out there. Supreme Verdicts, Veil of Summer, eight swords with prismatic ending. Um, back to basics, Sylvan Library. Oh, I love this deck. I want to play this deck so bad. Yep. Sideboard looks cool too. Carpet of Flowers is a beast. Uh, Fluster Storm, obviously, for the Storm matchup and a couple other things. Like, it's not horrible against uh, Reanimator in the right spot, but basically anything that's chain casting spells yep under the right circumstances not that you would actually bring it in but it can be brutal against elves it's just one mana counter oh yeah but nobody brings it in but like elves does do pseudo storm things yep. um yeah, but it's just not there's so many better cards to bring in oh, against yeah. elves so you don't bother well and i mean i would argue it um i i the number of times you pseudo storm off and you don't find alsor shepherd Right. Well, or your second or your like third said, Allosaurus Shepherd. Nobody brings it in, but it's just one of those things. Is it's it cool. used? To, I think it used to be. Yeah, it, it's really good tech. Cause yeah, yeah. half yeah, the, you're way more often to like storm off and they're like, all right, I'm now I'm going to cast you know Green Sun Zenith for uh, eight. Allosaurus <laughs> <and> Shepherd. <laughs> I love that. That's the best feeling in the world. Oh yeah. Because again, it turns Allosaurus Shepherd turns Green Sun Zenith into him to Turok. It There's does. so many ways to play him to Turok. Can't let it resolve It's it. no wonder nobody actually plays it. Oh, I love looking across. The, I love watching you do it and be like, oh, cool. I either spend my force of will on this. F6, I'm done. <laughs> or I don't cast. I mean, it's so good. Yeah, it is. It's very good. It's love very, 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 very good. Turns out 66% of the meta shouldn't play blue. The card wouldn't be nearly as good. I don't, I don't think that's an... I don't know. I'm, the card seems a little pushed. <laughs> don't get me wrong elves i i get the elves needs it but Carson's which is why uh elves did not top 32 this showcase challenge because they, they won last week didn't they yeah won last week but not in a showcase not in a showcase um rest of the sideboard 
surgical collector of back to basics more back to basics oh i love back to basics uh, more endurance another force of negation actually, breacher and an emerald so i just like how how much we've been shown the last you know two months or month and a half how powerful the soul lands are i had a thought in my head i've been like what if i built a deck that was and you could and i i still might that its goal was to power out on turn one back to basics and then just make your land jobs the rest of the game because i will and i'm going to be fetching land i'm going to be fetching basics like it's a blue, it's it'd be like a blue white control list, and it'd have um, soul lands or petals or something, some 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 fast mana, and like I'm gonna try and slam a relevant three drop on turn one, and one of those relevant three drops would be back to basics. I think the biggest thing getting in your way of that is that deck already exists. They just I, use Blood Moon instead. I know it's called Red Snoppy. I don't want to play Red Snoppy. Yep. I want to play. You want to have force blue white control. <laughs> I want to play Court of Grace, and I want to play. I also had a thought because I just. So the 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 premise of have you ever heard like artists they'll talk about like you have to have bad ideas to have good ideas mm-hmm. and they'll like they'll have whole session like like a song like a popular bands will have whole sessions where they they like purposely make bad ideas I want bad song ideas and that can spur you to well most of my ideas are just bad but that's why I'm justifying it and I was thinking like man how fucking cool would it be to play a like a blue white control deck or a band control deck where the win con was Court of Grace paired with um ensnaring bridge so that you can't i could i could play the court of grace with an ensnaring bridge you can't attack me and take it and we're just going to go back and forth for a couple turns i'm going to amass an army of four fours and tons of card advantage and then i'll find i'll remove my own whatever my own uh ensnaring bridge. bridge and then kill you and then i realized well if you're if you're getting a lot of card advantage then ensnaring bridge doesn't work yep <laughs> it's like the last 10 minutes of deck planning Fell apart with like yeah. Monarch and Ensnaring Bridge is a bit those, of a non-bone. Those don't work together. You can't hide behind an Ensnaring Bridge and be drawing a bunch of cards every turn. And, I mean, you can't hide behind a Snaring Bridge and play a control deck. Like I want to play, I want to play a draw go control deck. You can't do that with Ensnaring Bridge. But it's important to have bad ideas because without bad ideas, you can't have good ideas. Antrip Cartel, <laughs> bad ideas welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta have some bad ideas. <laughs> We've got plenty. Oh shit! But yeah, it was super fun looking band controls. I would love to play this. Earls are getting cheaper and cheaper. Earls down to yeah. ten bucks a piece. Yeah. Like he's not bad. It wouldn't be. T- I would not mind buying. I know I have one endurance somewhere, unless I sold it, which I might have because I was trading into some bigger stuff. But like a couple euros. I, literally, what I need to play this deck is a couple euros and a savanna. Luckily, a buddy of mine owns a savanna, so I could borrow his. Who's that? This fucking loser has like ten thousand dollars in reserve list cards. Thanks. That, sad thing is that doesn't really say much anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's you have two legacy decks. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> but yeah, like this deck would be so fun to play. I would love to play this deck so much. The only thing this deck doesn't have that I want is Terminus. Yep. Love Terminus. So next up, we've got four color control. This deck does have Terminus. <laughs> Yeah, but it also costs five thousand dollars with yep. its two volcanics, two tropicals, two uh, or what, wasn't there a one taiga? Yeah, one taiga, two trops, two tundras, two and volcanics. Yeah, so this one is expensive. It is very expensive. A lot of red. I mean, a lot of red though. Yeah. So this is the far more similar to the like four color control decks we've seen. Yeah. This is not like your draw go kind of thing. It it's further away from that. Uh-huh, it definitely. Um, we got one Endurance, three Uro, uh, a couple Planeswalkers. We've got Narset, Parter of Veils, 
and then Minskin Boo, of course. Typical cantrip suite, we all know what that is. Uh, one portent, so that's interesting. Um, Pyroblast in the main, two life from the loam. We've talked about this before in these four color decks. I mean, that just not only protects you from wasteland, but just generates a ton of card advantage and then fuels RO on top of that. Yep. Like life from the loam is a fantastic card in this deck. Um, Reckless Impulse. I was right. Reckless Impulse is good. It is. I mean, go back to when we talked about um, Crimson Vow and I sung the praises of Reckless Impulse, mostly guided by Force of Phil on the Eternal Dirtles podcast, but he had a lot of good points about it and he really won me over that um, Reckless Impulse is a pretty good card. Now, for the entirety of its lifetime, it has been overshadowed by the obnoxiously better expressive iteration, but Reckless Impulse, pretty good card. You know what would make it really... it. It drives me nuts. It ap- it actually kind of annoys me that this card would be better if it was harder to cast. If that colorless was a fucking blue pip, this card would be better. 100%. Like, if that's the only thing, if it was a blue and a red as opposed to a colorless and a red, card would actually be a better card. Yep, because it pitched a force. It pitched a force. Yep. And it's good. It For, for anyone listening, Reckless Impulse, one and a red, sorcery, exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Yeah. So it's bad expressive iteration. Very bad expressive iteration. It's two cards instead of one. Or sorry, it's two cards instead of three. Um, they're both in exile. None go to your hand. But you do get to play them until the end of your next turn. And you can still hit lands off of this. Yes. So a lot of differences. It's To me, this is one of those expressive iteration was clearly you know a 10 or above. We need to find where Reckless Impulse is on that scale and then see if that difference is justifiable. Yeah. So it's just like we Reckless Impulse, it sees some play uh, in Popper. It's a good card. Um, it's just a matter of like what you're giving up relative to what else you could have in that slot. Yeah. So like we, we get it. Two mana card advantage spells. They're solid. It's just how bad of one, how bad can one be before we don't run it? Yep. So I, I can't think of, I'm sure somebody could come up with an example, and this is not to shit on this card, because I actually really like Reckless Impulse. I can't think of a worse version of this that I would still run. Um, yeah, it definitely can't cost three. It can't cost three, because at that point, it's just divination. Um, really bad divination. Right. Well, I mean, like if, if you're going to pay three, you just play divination. So how much life would you pay to cast this spell? Well, that's, so the, that's, the funny that's, thing is, that's Knight's Whisper. That's the best way for, like... Like that, Watsi has found to like increase the cost of a card because you can't have two and a half mana. We know this. Yep, is to make you pay some life. So if you had to pay one life, would you still cast it? I don't know. Would you have to pay two life? Would you still cast it? No, I'd cast Knight's Whisper. Well, isn't Knight's Whisper black black? Uh, there's that's sign in blood. Knight's Whisper is one in a black. Okay, one in a black. Okay, um, but you have to play black then. <laughs> you do, and black is way worse than red. Yeah, but I mean, just as far as the effect goes. So like, if we're comparing the rate of two cards, two mana, I. I wouldn't pay two mana and two life to exile uh-huh. two cards until gotcha. the next turn. Like, so it can't get much worse. It can't get much because worse. Because a few life is a very nominal fee. Right. I mean, like, if, if Murktide said delve and pay four life, like a motherfucker, people play that card. Wouldn't even, wouldn't even slow them down. Look at, look at, look at, uh, what's it? Uh, snuff out. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't even slow them down. Yep. People run it. It's, it, it is a cost. Yeah. But, but if it also shocked you, yeah. we're approaching that, like, eh, I don't know if I want to cast this. But yeah, one force negation, four force wills, two terminus. Yeah. Two engineered explosives, one dress down, and then some lands. Um, let's see, is there anything cool in the lands? We got a wasteland. 
uh, we've talked about. Triome's we that probably, Triome. I mean, and my probably the worst decision, but still good. Like the ability to take if you're taking turn one off, I even though you have literally well, in fairness, you're never gonna, you shouldn't be casting Ponder Brainstorm your first turn or Portent. You're probably not blasting anything. You're probably not. You might be swording something. So you don't have tons of good turn one plays. So it probably is pretty often if you can go turn one, just fetch as far as headquarters and and have much better mana the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And they do cycle. Yeah, it's the triomes are deceptively good. I don't think they'll have, they'll never see like wide adoption in no. EDH or in a legacy. They've seen wide adoption in EDH. Um, obviously they've seen plenty of play in modern as well. Uh-huh. I think just the original duels, it's one of the reasons why like everybody loves them and this is kind of blasphemous, but there was a, there was a like post your unpopular opinion, unpopular opinions thing on Reddit once. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I, it might've been EDH, but it could have been legacy. I don't remember which one, but I, mine was ban all dual lands, all the original dual lands in every format they're legal in. Um, for the same reason that like and again i know that's an unpopular opinion and that, that would it would destroy legacy as we know it oh yeah absolutely it would, you, the format would have to completely redo it but to me design gets worse when you just have cards that are just strictly better and this isn't one of those where like they printed a new card and it's better than everything and so now yeah. you got to rebuy this is Tropical Island has existed since the game started, and it's the best land that produces blue-green, and it has been since Alpha. Yep. So, like, things get a lot more interesting. More oh, yeah. I'm, things change. I'm not saying it's a good change, but things would be different. And they won't. They, they, they've, uh, they yeah, they never like will. It. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, this, what I'm saying is they'll never do this, but if they ever put uh, Fetchlands in Pioneer, I might stop playing. Yeah. Oh, I would for sure. Like, my, That's favorite, one of my thing favorite things about it is that you don't get perfect mana anymore. Um, I think they like my unpopular opinion is they should ban they should ban fetchlands out of modern. Like you don't get fetchlands. Wouldn't bother me. You don't get perfect mana. You don't just get to, you don't get to run three and four color piles and always have perfect mana. Like I you there should be a cost to running multiple colors. Mm-hmm. There should and there is in pioneer. It's or, a very real cost. If if fetchlands are we are legal, so is wasteland. That should sure. be the rule. Yeah, you can have perfect mana, but I get to wasteland you off it. Right. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. That's my unpopular opinion is like, yeah, I think I think modern would be better without fetch lands. Probably. Or without shocks. I mean, pick one. Like, either you don't get shocks, you get the ones that ETB tapped. Cause they're, I'd they're, actually be interested to see, like, fetch lands legal, but no fetchable duels. Yeah, no. So, like, well, you... I'd be okay with you fetching the duels that come into play taps. You can you could fetch a triome, or you can fetch the... There's that cycle of lands that they, they yeah. had the types that they come into play yeah. tapped. Yeah, but, you don't. You don't get to. You don't get to be like. Uh, I want a breeding pool. I, I want blue mana this turn. Fetch shock breeding pool. Right. Yeah. Or the middle ground I meet you in is we print fetch lands. They get basics. Yeah, I. That's kind of what I was getting like, at. Like you get, I you love get a, prismatic. The design around prismatic vista. You get a whole series of prismatic vista. Uh, prismatic vistas. Yeah. Or the um the the recent ones they did where uh like the they they get one of three. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes into play. Make it come into play untapped. Yeah. But yeah, you sack it and you can get either, you can get, you know, a Sultai, one of the Sultai lands, but you get to get a basic. Yep. And then, and you don't get windswept teeth. You don't get real fetches. You get these shitty fetches. So you can have a decent chance, but you have to make decisions right now. What land do you want? And your mana base has to be a handful of all the basics so you can get whatever you need. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of multiple colors being a significant cost in your deck. Yep. Or having ways to punish it. Yes, or having real ways to What's punish the, it. I can never think of the name of this card. The card I love so much, it deals two damage to each player. 
Oh, um, you made me forget it. Price of Price progress. Of progress. Yes. Price of progress. We talked about it in that what we should bring to modern episode. Yeah. Oh my god, I would love to see price of progress in modern. Yep. You want to run a greedy mana base, you're gonna pay for it. Yep. You should. Mm-hmm. I paid for it in Pioneer by losing a lot of fucking games. <laughs> yeah, three colors is hard to do. It's in hard. That's I was talking to DC about it because he was he's building Rot Priest as well. And like he was he tried branching into three colors. I told him not to. And he tried it, and I was like, yeah, it's just fucking impossible to support. Because, well, especially that deck's inconsistent enough as it is. Like, I think I think white, in a world where you had perfect mana, white makes the deck so much better. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Simic is a great color combination if you want to abuse Rot Priest. And in my opinion, Rot Priest is the most powerful thing in that deck. Yeah. But if you want to be on a tangential infect or toxic plan, which you kind of do with Rot Priest, because you it's, it's very common where you get to between four and eight, and you need to fit... Like, um, white's the way to go. White is the way to go. But I think blue is the best way to support that because blue, you you get some in green and you get a lot, you get a really good ones in blue, good protection spells, good cantrips, good, just keep it going. Yeah, especially because you only have the one Rot Priest. The whole deck functions around Rot Priest. Ideally. And with losing your ability to protect him. But white gives you such good infect creatures, such good, good infect creatures and you, I just you can't, you can't run three. I promise. I'm like, I'm, maybe someone can. But you can, you you could spike a tournament. You could go, you get lucky five times in a row. But like, I'm telling you, on the numbers, you just cannot if run three. If you colors. wanted to do it, you'd have to be a like a green white deck with Ropperies or uh, with like it, or a green blue deck. Like you'd have to just pick a color and have like one fucking card of it. Yeah, splash. You yeah. you get a splash. Just a splash yeah. is like. You cannot have just like I'm gonna run a three color pile, no, just the can't. best cards of Esper. We saw how that worked. <laughs> I tried. I had, I had I had I had card draw. I had filtering. The lands no. just suck. It's great. Not good enough. Anywho, that's basically wraps up. Uh, Band control. That. Oh, that's that four color. That's yeah. that four color. Then we got Doomsday. Yeah, let's wrap this up. We're uh, that's an hour and fifteen minutes into our podcast. Good. Got to give the uh, give those customers their yeah. money's worth. Uh, Doomsday. So let's see here. We got Baleful Strix, Thassa's Oracle, Street Wraith, Murktide. So we're, we're looking at a Murktide list with Doomsday. Um, a couple more creatures in the side, too. Um, Brainstorm, Consider, Dark Rit, Fatal Push. Uh, ah, see, they're prepared for your I'm going to run Hate Bears instead of Enchantments game plan. <laughs> I know we were talking about graveyards, yep. but like the principle stands. Absolutely. Um, Minor Misstep has been seeing. Uh, inconsistent play, but like some play floating around there. Again, something we talked about. A card like that, there's so many one drops. Like, you don't want necessarily a shit ton of them, but there's some real value in being able to counter. Yeah, there's like 50% of the spells that see play in the format for there's one. There's so many cards in Legacy that you desperately want to counter that until this point, um, you did not have a hard counter for that was at mana parity. Yeah. Or didn't cost cards. Yeah. We'll say card or mana parity. Um, Cause you're never going up on mana clearly, but like there's so many cards in legacy. You just desperately want to counter and you can't counter them without either hemming yourself or going down on mana. And men- minor misstep just fits right into that slot. Like if, if I'm, as I'm kind of in my mind building up this blue white control list, there's a spot for minor misstep. Yep. I'm probably going to place like between two and four minor missteps. And a lot of it's going to boil down to are the cards you're looking to counter, do they cost one? So like a lot of uh, 
in theory, you can imagine a deck that just doesn't give a shit about any of the current one drops. Yeah. It's unlikely, but like you could be like, okay, well, then you don't run minor misstep. Yep. A card or a deck like Doomsday can go, well, there's plenty of one drops that actually do fuck my game plan up quite a bit. Absolutely. And having a one mana answer to those yeah. is great. I don't want a ton of them, but I run eight or more cantrips. Yep. So well, having one in my deck is way better than having none. Like when I play Blue White Control, like I have to, because you, you, your good counter spells are Force of Will and Force Negation. Because, like, I mean, I you probably could run a legit counter spell, but it's hard to cast when you're running a you're trying to run a basic land, a, a basic mana base, and it's just hard to blue blue is hard to cast. Well, like, you have to let all the ponders resolve, all the preordains or all the brainstorms resolve. You, you have to let a lot of the swords resolve because, like, my Force of Wills have to be relegated to these certain spells because like those are the un, like those are the unwinnable spells. Like that resolves, I'm fucking done, but DRC, I I hate I hate watching my opponent just go like uh, brainstorm brainstorm ponder and it's like I'm, I'm so there. far behind. Yep, I have my opponent looked at looked at nine cards. I'm so far. Whereas you can you, you snap boom uh, minor miss at that first brainstorm. This turn is over. Yep, like I and you you feel good doing it too, and you feel great doing it. Yeah, I don't I feel I have absolutely force of willed brainstorms, and in my opinion, it was the correct decision, and I felt awful doing it. Yep, well. It's, Minor Misstep plays a very similar role vis-a-vis cantrips that Pyroblast does, where it's one of those things where, like, in the right matchup, you have no issue at all firing a Pyroblast at somebody's Brainstorm or Ponder. Absolutely. Like, that's a solid use for it. Yep, feels great. Um, Especially if you have a, an answer to, like, their Murktide or something like that. Like, if you're playing Delver. Oh, yeah. Like, throwing those at cantrips in the right spot. Like, yeah. you gotta be smart about it. You don't just... Let them bait it's, out your permission, but especially like, especially we get in that top deck war where mm-hmm. we're just going back and forth, or like we each have one or two cards in hand, and we're just we're we've done nothing for two or three turns. Like whoever draws a brainstorm first, the game's kind of over. Yeah, especially if they've been smart and hoarding a couple lands. Because at that point, it's whoever draws ancestral recall first yeah. wins the game. <laughs> you start rolling through your deck. Yep. So rest of the deck: ponder, thoughtseize, unearth, days, doomsday, force will, lotus petal. Yeah, a bunch, and, of, bunch of Doomsday cards. Yep, so basically, we've seen Murktide in Doomsday before. Uh, it hasn't been around for a while, so, you know, yeah. it's a notable inclusion here. Uh, one Shell Dock Isle, so... Well, of course, got that Emrakul plan. Yep. If um, if you're really worried about Thassa's Oracle uh, being able to do its thing, just play Shell Dock Isle. Yep. Good. It's a pretty easy pile to make. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Shell Dock uh, Isle, Emrakul, three cards that don't fucking matter. Looking at the rest, Flusterstorm, Hydroblast, uh, Dothy Voidwalker. See, that would be, there's your two mana, like, hate bear against Reanimator that we were talking about, where it's just like... It's really good. That's really good. Except for one thing. There's no, there's no, there's no gotcha here. Oh. Black. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta have, you gotta have black black. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's no gotcha there. It's just yeah, like clearly the, the white's better than whatnot. I was like, uh, am I misreading? No, 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 no. It's a great card against Reanimator, except you have to put two you black tips. Yeah, and every now and then we see that mono black deck. Yes, top eight. Yes, um, but it's definitely not what we would call a tier one deck. Uh, Hercules Recall, Brazen Borrower. Hercules Recall is a bit of a beating. There's another. There's your two mana Wrath of God against Affinity. Yep. Um, and it has like tangential. To, like you, just, you get to recast all of them. It's fine. Uh, most of them are tokens. <laughs> they just go back to your hand. They're like Thopter tokens. You can shit. remake those land drops. Yep. You can, one at a time. One at a time. And I'm sure the Doomsday deck is just going to sit around and let you yeah. play four turns behind. Uh, Brazen Borrower, Mystical Dispute. I, 
to me, Mystical Dispute and Minor Misstep, basically the same fucking card. <laughs> They're not, obviously. Yeah. I think they fight very uh, very hard for that same spot yeah. where Minor or Mental Mystical Dispute is an excellent card for Brainstorm, for Ponder. Like, it is a one, it, that's, I don't mind throwing it in front of those cards. The problem is it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't age with the game nearly as well. Yeah. It's, to me, I look at it, it's a, it's a blue pyroblast. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Like in this kind of deck, because most of the time Doomsday doesn't care a ton about what's committed to the board. Yeah. They're just buying time. Yep. Um, so fired off against that random blue spell for one blue. Cool. Done. Like, but like you said, it does not age well. Whereas minor misstep. Yeah. Still counters it on turn 10. Yep. And we got three plague engineer because fuck elves and <laughs> one well, in the pool because fuck painter. Do you see elves anywhere? I don't see elves anywhere in here. Fuck elves. <laughs> Last but not least, certainly. No. Bant Stoneblade. Hell yeah. Uh, Matt, this is this is not Bant Stoneblade. This is Bant Initiative. Railblazer's Torch. Oh, gotcha. I was like, God damn it, what did I miss now? But yes, four, the four mana equipment, equip one. Uh, what is it? Whenever it enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious to me, but it makes sense when you have Stoneforge Mystic. Yep. It's hilarious how laughably bad that is. Still worth a slot. Yep. Well, again, until you pay two for it. I mean, like, like it's... It's worse than Sword of Fire and Ice. Or sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, th- this is like this person decided that Sword of Fire and Ice is worse than Trailblazer's Torch. Yep. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking insane. Well, the thing is, is to me, like that is in there for those grindy matchups. Obviously, on occasion, it's going to steal initiative back from an initiative yep, deck. Can but happen. that's that's not, not why what you're it's running. there for. This is effectively a way to introduce monarch yep. and have a way that's very difficult for an opposing grinding deck to deal with it yep but like is it a, a yeah i mean like it's impossible to interact with but like if you're worried about an opposing grindy deck isn't fire and ice just better you like, tell me like sort of fire and ice is actually way closer to just monarch i know but i mean I, I, that's that is the that is the power Although, of this card i think what i think what this should have shown lately as the initiative is just way more powerful than modern. Yeah, the the complete inability to interact with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think the initiative is just better than monarch. I think it is enabled way better than monarch. Well, to me, the ceiling is higher as a mechanic. Monarch only ever draws you a card. Initiative is abusable. So like you keep going through the dungeon and you just keep like, it's effectively faster. You can, you can kind of get the juice out of the fruit um, quicker well, and in the, bigger chunks. The new initiative, cre- what we have, do the, do the new initiative creatures, do they still take the initiative when they hit? Cause that's not, a, that's not a given thing. You don't take the initiative every time you hit. No. So like it ETBs and is, and now there's, now there's a once a turn. And now if you can have multiple creatures, ETB adventure attacks, exile top card. Yeah. Yeah, so if you cast multiple, you can't have multiple monarch triggers with initiative, but it isn't like every time Caves of Chaos Adventure hits you, you don't no. get the initiative again. No, that, but that's not what. I'm- so for mo- what I'm saying is, for most of the game, for most of this game where initiative is evolved, it's a once a turn, very similar to monarch, and so for most of the game, it's probably just be- it would probably be better to have monarch, except anything that gives you monarch is at either four mana and or two pips. And that seems to be what's holding us back with Monarch, in my opinion. Like, because that's I, we talked about how like this got me thinking about why don't we abuse Monarch in the same way? But you were right. 
everything with Monarch is either three or four mana. There's, I think, one spell that's three mana. But it's um, it's two pips. I think the green one is three and a green. Uh, the the uh, bounty or whatever. It's like... It's, yeah, I don't remember exactly um, which one but it is. Like, it's they're all two pips and they're all so they're they're all super hard to cast off soul lands. Yeah, it's I think like most things, definitely a combination of things. And 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 to your credit, where initiative is better is initiative does encourage incredibly aggressive gameplay. Monarch doesn't, and so while Monarch may be better on a turn by turn basis, um, the culmination of initiative just incur like pushing forward this incredibly aggressive game plan is probably what changes that math. Where was like. I think if you changed, I think the current Undercity, as it's built now, has a stronger effect. This is basically kind of what I'm getting at than just drawing a card every turn. Like, as a whole, as you progress through it, it's better than because it just ends the game. Like, it's just like it makes a like the cards that staple to are obviously individually, the cards are slightly better, even some of them decently better. Like, Monarch doesn't have anything like Caves of Chaos Adventure or the other one. But, like, these things, like you said, it's just so, as a whole, just ends the game. Like, I think the biggest one, I I may be wrong here, but the, the fucking plus two, plus two counter, or the that to me is the biggest thing. It's huge. Because it takes one of these creatures and makes it, like, a Murktide Regent. Yeah, you I'm drop a Murktide Regent that generates you advantage every turn. So let's so okay so turn okay so turn one you play I play the monarch I put the monarch in you put initiative in turn one I draw a card turn one you put a land in your hand that's effectively drawing a card it's I'm probably gonna draw a land so turn two I draw a card you either scry two or make a creature plus two plus two plus two plus two counters yep um, I think my card is better but those are those are half a card minimum each like scrying two is half a card to three quarters of a card worth of value. Possibly more. If you, if, if you can double scry lands away, that's fucking huge. And then making one of your creatures fucking huge. Then, next turn, I draw a card. You make a treasure token. Eh. You go to creature. We're not doing that. Fuck that shit. Target player loses five life. That's another card. That's a card. That's a good card. And it, again, works right, like, in. it works in concert with the other yep. one. Yeah. Okay, so next turn. Now I'm, I draw a card. Or you make a 4-1 black skeleton with menace. That's a card. Or draw a card. Yep. That's a card. And then that last turn, I draw a card. You reveal the top 10 cards of your library, put a creature <laughs> card from among card. them onto <laughs> the You draw the a way better card. Yeah. And then it gets three plus one plus one counters. Right. See what like. So you're right. It is a lot of these are uh, more comparable to just straight up just drawing a card. Yeah. And again, when we're talking about the realm of legacy, giving the plus two plus two, I know it's not literally a two two, but it's basically a two two. You're putting two power on the board. Mm-hmm. That's. A bad card, that's still a card. And it's actually better than just making a 2-2. Like, I'd much rather, assuming it lands, because in theory that you could play your Caves of Chaos Adventurer and they bolt it, and then you lose out on that trigger. But then you just pick a different one, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're scrying two because you don't have any, you don't have a target. But assuming it happens, I'd much rather have make my 5-3 a 7-5 than to make a 2-2. Yeah. Like, would you play a card that was zero mana, give put two plus, plus plus one plus one counters on a creature? Would you discard a card to do that effect? I that's in really an, good in an aggressive deck, probably. In an aggressive deck, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's a free shock. It's better than a free shock. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, because it's it pull it also pulls your creature out of bolt range, which is relevant. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, like and and you're not even required to discard a card. Yeah, yeah, right. it's it's <laughs> that's that, that's kind of like if you play a card. If, if it was if you had Lotus Petal that just gave a creature two plus one plus one counters. Yep. Like this you, just does it. You might do that in um in an aggressive deck like this, and and you get it for free. So yeah, that basically is a card's worth of value. So you've drawn a card with a land. You've pseudo drawn a card. Then you're like what legitimately drawing a card. Then you dome them oh, for sorry, five. Then you dome them for. Yeah, then you cast Shrapnel Blast, <laughs> right? which is a card. Then <laughs> you draw these a decks card. It is. <laughs> yeah. Then you draw a card, and then you draw a card. Look, at, you get or the best you... creature out of the top ten yeah. with three plus one plus one counters and a hexproof until your next turn. Yeah. So draw a card, draw a card, draw a card, draw a card, draw a card. Yeah. Draw draw a bad card. Draw a land. Draw an okay card. Draw a good card. Draw a card. Get the best creature. Right. Atraxa. So I mean, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's a lot closer to being at parity with Monarch than I initially thought. And then you take into account the fact that the creatures, regardless of their mana cost, are just better. Yep. Like, I mean, Palace Jailer's the only one that comes close. And like you said, he doubles. He's double creature. white. Yeah. Right. Like the rest of them. Like there's there's other Monarch creatures from the initial weight, but they all they're they suck, they're yeah. popper cards. Yeah, I'm looking at the ones like uh, like Court of Grace is the, my favorite, but and that that makes four fours, and that is relevant, but like. It doesn't compare it with the fact, double pips. It makes it just impossible almost to cast on turn one. Yeah. And yeah, that one card of advantage just isn't as insurmountable as. And don't forget that you can, you can trigger the initiative more than once a turn. Yep. Like you can cast it on, you can cast it on turn one, get the initiative, you know, turn two, you get the initiative just from the turn cycle going and then cast another creature. There's your third initiative for this turn or for this game. Yep. Like you, you can't do that with Monarch. Nope. Your second, your second, uh, power show doesn't double Monarch you. Nope. Be God. Gotta be cool if it did. Yeah. <laughs> you could stack Monarchs. Well, and the thing is, again, look at palace jailer. When you lose the Monarch, they get their creature back. Uh-huh. It doesn't even kill the creature. Nope. It just puts it in jail it for a little bit. It just puts it in jail until they take the Monarch back. Yeah. So like the, I'd be interested to see the Monarch versus Undercity race if the Monarch cards were just even remotely, like the cards themselves were anything like. Uh-huh. I mean, you're looking at like the leftovers. Mono White Initiative shat all over the format. Yeah. And then this is what is left after the ban. <laughs> yep. It's not running any of the same creatures. Yeah. So to be fair, I think Under Mountain Adventure, when that, if that was around when the other one came around, they're probably. Initiative players are probably lucky that didn't happen. Yeah. Because that might have triggered some sort of like, we're done with initiative kind of thing. Yeah. Since it was kind of trickled in, you might just get this kind of like half ass shit. Trickle ban. Where they trickle ban stuff. Yeah. But to be fair, it doesn't look like initiative's really. Yeah. Could you over. imagine if Palace Jailer was a 3 4? Yeah. It'd be nice. So I'm immutable. So good enough. Yeah. Huge difference mm-hmm. versus a 2 2. Anywho, Bant Stone Blade. <laughs> Yeah, sorry guys. You know, let's make this quick, Jake. Dan. Yeah, wrap it up, Matt. Jesus Christ, we're still in. We're still in legacy. Yep. So, uh, an hour Blade, and a half. Noble Hierarch, Stoneforge Mystic, uh, Brazen Borrower, True Name, and Uro. Uh, those are all the yeah. It's, first four are pretty typical, and then you get Ur- like Stoneblade's been around for a while. Yeah, it's Bant. Yeah. This is this is just the Bant good creatures. But Bant good creatures, Teferi, Brainstorm Ponder, we, we all know that. Couple Stifles, getting tricky. Love them Stifles. Um, Swords, Days, Force Will, uh, Gta, Calder Complete, Trailblazers, Torch, like we talked to death. Um, 
sideboard again, so Carpet of Flyer. So the the so Undercity. Here's my thing. <laughs> uh, then we got Hydroblast, Surgical Veil, um, Collector Oath, Containment Priest. There we go. There's those Surgicals and Containment Priests. Yep. Uh, dress Down, Force Negation, Seeds of Innocent. I've seen that before as well. And Court, and of one Grace. Court of Grace. Love that card. Hey, at least in this deck, it's either mon- one Monarch or one Initiative card. That's true. So there you go. That's Legacy. That's the top eight. Metagame summary. Uh, Reanimator. Six of the top 32. 18.75%. Eight cast. Uh, eight cast were ninth and tenth and thirteenth. So like eight cast just barely missed out on top yep. eight. They were, they, they were there. They tried. Uh, again, eight, eight cast was 18 and 0.75, six of the top 32 blue red Delver 15% five. And, uh, we'll skip ahead a little bit rug Delver two. Although one of them is that weird one where it's basically blue red with a couple of green yeah. cards, not a traditional rug Delver. So we're looking at seven of the top, uh, seven of the top 32. Yeah. If you mash the Delvers together, you're looking at 21 and a half percent, 22%. Yep. Um, other nice to see that's even on here. <laughs> yep. Uh, we usually get other, but a lot of times it's, you know, weird stuff. But it's just those control decks. Yeah. And uh, that's actually where the initiative deck fell in. Yep. The, the, we haven't we haven't been able to figure out that red-green is initiative. There's only one of them, though. Like I said, like, yeah. it's, this isn't a sky is falling kind of thing. It, hopefully, and this I think this would be the best result for everybody. And it's kind of what we all always hope for in the first place. Is like after a ban, the deck that gets hit doesn't stop existing. It just gets knocked down a peg. Now, obviously, white initiative is pivoted into red green, but I don't think anyone would care if one or two initiative decks were floating around and being playable. It's you don't want you know two decks making up fifty percent of the meta game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got painter, mono red prison, a bunch of stuff, just guy control, cephalid breakfast. So like, yeah, we got like four solid control decks because two of those others are controlled, and we've got a bant control. And a uh, just guy control, so control's doing well. Yeah, pretty sweet. Uh, most played cards: Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Lotus Petal and Mistress Bobble. We got a week off of it. Yep. Uh, Fairy Macabre. Uh, top creatures: Fairy Macabre, Murktide Regent, DRC, Delver, and Grief. See if people agree with me. Fairy Macabre. That's the way to go. Yep. And then we've got top spells. Same thing: Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Mistress Bobble. So like I said, we got a week off. We did. And now it's kind of right back to normal. We'll see. We'll, we'll, maybe this is, maybe this for is this the week. week. For this week. That's what I was going to finish. Yep. It's back to normal for this week. All right. Uh, Modern will not take very long. Uh, one, because we're already running a little late. Two, because I have to add the podcast tonight. And three, because there's three of the same deck in the top eight. Oh, well, well. That uh, speeds okay. things up quite a bit. But we did have a modern <laughs> challenge. <laughs> yep, I know. <laughs> I just, with just so you know, we do this live. Yeah. So like I... That's not rehearsed or anything. This is, I mean, we're not like broadcasting live, but like we don't rehearse this or anything. I, this is the first time I've op- opened up the modern challenge and I just look at it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Blue Red Delver shit on modern this week. <laughs> yep. Um, but first place is uh, Zerk with Yogmoth combo. The, I, probably the strongest combo deck in modern. Um, in my opinion, like the, the, it always balances between like Indomitable Creativity, which is a recent addition. Uh, Living End and Yawgmoth as being like just the most powerful combo things to be doing in modern. Uh, I've heard that I haven't played it, uh, but I, you know, Yawgmoth is very difficult to pilot perfectly. That's probably what kind of holds it down a little bit. It's kind of like Elves. Like Elves is probably more powerful than is represented, 
but it's very difficult to pilot. And a lot of the skills you're going to get from piloting Yawgmoth or Elves don't transfer super well. Like, the lines you're chasing down don't really transfer well to other decks. Yeah, it's... And the cards don't either. The decks that run, like, that are better, they're more more than a sum of their parts. Yeah. Which Elves, Yawgmoth, you're taking these, like, crappy cards. That, like, young yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Motherfuckers are playing Young I Wolf. Mean, as opposed to me, like... Like the lines I'm chasing down are unmarked grave persist. Right. Or go get fatty, cheat fatty in. Cast indomitable creativity. Yeah. Win the game. <laughs> yeah. Cast creativity. Yeah. So I got to four mana. Looks like I win. Looks like the game's over. <laughs> um, that being said, this is there's not much to say about the Yogmoth list. It is a blood artist list without a Gross Messenger. Instead, we have the Hapatra Snake Lady, Vizier of Poisons. But then after that, nothing else really in the main that looks interesting. The sideboard, excuse me, also looks pretty boring. Yeah, got the two Orvar, Orvars. Those are back. Oh, yeah. it's Well, they, they took a week off last week. I don't, I, it was either last week or the week before. Yeah, they, they come they're like, I mean, it's that became, like, two Orvar became minimum stock in every single deck, and then creativity fell off a fucking map. Because you can't, I mean, like, you just can't, you can't do it. You can't have your entire and like it's gonna fuck me pretty hard when I start playing modern. I'm like this is the well. In fairness, I'm a little more inclined to buy my second modern deck now, uh, based on third place. But like it's it, that's my modern deck right now, and I'm gonna and Orvar be damned. Yep. Like my only go- the only thing I have going for me is like I have grief. Yeah. Like my strategy is hopefully to catch it with the grief. God damn, no, I can't do that. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Because you can't. If you, you can't. grief their Orvar, they get a grief. Which isn't an Archon, but it's still it's a still grief. grief. <laughs> yeah, I still then they still they thought season me. Yeah. Like I'm 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 just gonna lose to Orvar. That's just fact of the matter. Um nothing to be said about it. But you could always just play burn. Could. I, I also could play and lose this to anything else. <laughs> yeah. I could play uh Twiddlestorm, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, but nothing else going on on Yawgmoth. Second place, we've got legit Azorius Control. Yeah, I was. Except it's running Leyline Binding. So I hate calling it Azorius Control. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, it is. They're it not is, doing anything else with the colors, though. No, so. I know. I just hate that we. I hate that we have a two color deck and we have a fucking domain card in it. Yeah. Because it's so easy to enable domain shit. Um, but yeah, what, Kahira Solitude. At least he's being honest about it. That's true. It is. It is Azorius Control. Um, only three planeswalkers. It's kind of interesting to see the Azorius control list not running any five fairy. We just have three of the three fairies. So our main win cons are going to be Breeding Pool, Hall of the Storm Giants. That's it. Oh, technically, Solitude. You can beat them down, beat them to death with Solitude. What did you mean aside from Breeding Pool? You said main win, win con was Breeding Pool. Oh, I'm sorry. Shark I'm so sorry. Shark Typhoon. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. It was just the next card up. Yeah, yeah. My, my brain read the wrong one. So yeah. we, we have Shark Typhoon. Um, Hall of the Storm Giants and uh, in Solitude Beats technically like w- way reduced on the win cons like I think having a couple five fairies is a huge addition to your win con because it's such a like it's, it doesn't just win the game it also takes over the game really quickly but I guess in fairness it doesn't technically win the game it just makes that makes them lose because like, like the like, Teferi alt yeah. the game's not over nothing about this game is over like you will never die to a Teferi alt mm-hmm. just you can't win yeah. So I guess maybe it's not as much of a win con as I'm kind of playing it up to be. Well, at that point, wouldn't you think you'd want either, I mean, Jace is legal or um, Emperor? Emperor? Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think Five Fairy is just so good. 
Like just because Five Fairy is so good for it stabilizing. Like this deck is so much a like draw go deck, and Teferi allows you to like tap out and still have Counterspell up. Mm-hmm. And that's just so. And and just you, now you start going up. You know, count. You start getting card advantage. Like it's okay that I'm one for wanting everything when I start drawing two cards a turn. Now it doesn't, now it doesn't matter. Like you're gonna you're 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 fucked. And yeah, the ability the, just the ability to be like I can advance my board at all. Because you tapped out to do a thing, I can advance my board, I can draw some cards, I can have removal or or protection up, and we're good to go. And then once once to un- untap with the fairy, it's not impossible to kill him. It's just you are at such a severe disadvantage. Um, but tons of removal, tons of counter spells, and tons of card draw, like memory deluge, archmage's charm, ending counter spell, supreme verdict. Uh, so you got your four leyline binding and your god awful mana base to support it with all these fucking triomes. Couple dress downs to Shark Typhoons to eventually win the game, and a sideboard full of kind of just a little bit of everything answers, and an Olamog instead of a Emrakul, which has got to be just a flavor choice, right? Because we're not, I mean, you're not casting either one of them, so it's got to just be a flavor that you're choosing Olamog over Emrakul. Like, Emmy's what everyone picks. This deck can technically cast Olamog. I know it's not what they want to be doing, it does have enough oh, lands. I mean, one, I mean, they are running straight two, up four islands. Like, there's three, plenty of lands. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. There are fifteen lands. So I guess that does because Emrakul is fifteen. Yeah. So I guess it does. It is infinitely more castable than Emrakul because that. Yeah. If you if you have it, almost all of your lands out, it does the exact same thing. So like, yeah, you're yeah. never going to cast the Emrakul. In theory, you could cast the Ulamog. I guess. You're, you're right, and that's you're totally correct. But it's got to be just a flavor choice. Um, but just a bunch of your genetic answers, like Aether Gust, v- obviously Dovin's Veto, amazing card, but Sanctifier Infect, uh, Stony Silence, su- more Supreme Verdicts, Hallowed Moonlight, stuff like that. Blossoming Calm. Okay, third place, uh, the deck I'm really excited to talk about. This is not how I play Twiddlestorm, but it's Twiddlestorm, and I fucking love Twiddlestorm. This is going to be this is the deck I own. I own a, a good chunk of it. I'm working on getting to the rest, and I'm this kind of makes me excited to buy the rest. Um, I have certainly devolved into like Legacy. I'm thoroughly a fun police, blue white control. Stop what you're doing, and then everywhere else, I'm like, what's the most broken thing I can be doing on like turn three? And it turns out one of the most broken things you can do. Well, broken and fun, because it's not the most broken, but one of the most broken and fun things you can do is uh, play a Lotus Field and untap it with Twiddle. And then just start running through the deck, drawing tons of cards, um, untapping it, retapping it, going through your library, get an Underworld Breach, start doing it again, and wrap that shit up with a uh, Grape Shot to the face. Grape Shot Storm 20, take 20. When did Polluted Delta get to 40 bucks? I know. That's why, if you remember, this happened a while ago, but I was building a deck for, I think, a tournament, and I ha- I couldn't find three of my Deltas. I remember that. And you I called wasn't, me, you're like, Matt, do you have my Deltas? I wasn't freaking out, but I was kind of like, I've misplaced $150. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, Deltas are fucking expensive, man. Like, Fetchlands, again, the Fetchlands that didn't get reprinted are fucking crazy expensive. Well, the funny thing is, we're talking... The Delta was the one, they were the ones that got reprinted. I know. Now it's been so long that the other ones you, have been reprinted technically twice. Yep. Do you and know, now these ones haven't been reprinted. You know why I have years. four polluted Deltas and three Bloodstained, uh, Bloodstained Myers? is because when I was buying Reanimator, it called for four Myers and three Deltas. 
and deltas were cheaper than Myers. Myers were like 23, deltas were 20. Yep. I was like, well, I guess I'll just get four deltas instead. And boy, wasn't that a, a happy accident. Yep. Because fuck Bloodstained Meyer. Blue Delta gets blue. I use the shit out of my deltas. Um, but yeah, this is a really fun deck. Uh, if you've never seen the deck go off, it's all about on turn three, which is usually the soonest you can play um, um, a Lotus Field, which comes in, makes you sack two other lands. Uh, but it taps. To, it has hexproof, so they can't kill it, and it taps to add a uh, three mana of any of any one color, and then utilizing Dreams Grip and Twiddle for the most part to untap that, going up to it basically makes every one of those a dark ritual, but for whatever color you need, and just running through the deck. It's a grape shot deck, storming through, casting ad nauseum. Basically, a storm deck. It absolutely is a storm deck, casting ad nauseum, uh, using Underworld Breach, Witchclaw Talisman to keep these things going, and then finishing up with a grape shot. The list I like to run, uh, Brian Cook has done a good bit of work on this at some point. I don't know if he's still working on Modern. I don't follow his content close enough. Um, he was on an Ideas Unbound list, and it is by far, uh, it, it was it was an Ideas Unbound arcane-based list. By far my favorite way to play the deck. Um, few things in Magic, to me, have ever felt better than casting the same Ideas Unbound for the fourth time this turn. Because you just churn through the deck, you discard, t- you're playing tons of spells, then you cast Ideas Unbound, draw three, cool, uh, I'm going to cast that Ideas Unbound again, draw three more, I'm going to cast that Ideas Unbound again to draw three more, I've drawn 20 cards this turn, there's no, you're, 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 you're fucked, and it's so much fun, I, I enjoy it so much, it is by far my favorite, like, off-meta, off-tempo deck to play, and it's really cheap. This uh the other one is quite a bit cheaper because it runs all the shitty arcane spells mm-hmm. and like spliced on arcane is not very good. Um, but this one is it's still only five hundred seventy five bucks. Like it's it's less than seven hundred dollars, and a lot of that sunk up in the mana base because these fetch lands are fucking expensive. So I like like yeah, the, the only expensive the only real expensive card is underworld breach yes that you need multiples of those are about 20 bucks a piece but like your flooded strands are 35 bucks a piece your polluted deltas are 40 bucks a piece like everything else like looking through this it's like hey island's free yeah (laughs) like pact of negation is kind of expensive and then it's like like one dollar card one dollar card 20 cent card 10 cent card 10 cent card 50 cent card like these cards are all dirt dirt cheap then you have a couple a couple heavy hitters like underworld breach um you know amulet of vigors amulet of vigors 30 dollars jeez louise Thought I bought that foil one for Tatiova when it got reprinted. Um, the sideboard for these decks is always is always kind of all over the place because it's all about um, having the right answer. What is pretty common is for Leyland of Sanctity because this deck is pretty. It, it it's it's a very um, very card quantity based or card, at least card quality, but easy to disrupt with Thoughtseize deck. And so Leyland of Sanctity being able to buy you this couple turns where you're not getting thought seized into oblivion um, and a pivot that I don't know if you noticed, but you probably did one Ave. So in matchups where Grape Shot isn't good enough or you're not going to have time or the ability to get to Storm 20. Oh, I mean, Ave with Storm 7 is pretty fucking good because you're going to put like 30 power on the board. It's it. Ave is two green, 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 green. For a 2-2, it's a legendary creature with Storm, but the tokens it makes aren't legendary, and they enter with a plus one, plus one counter for each other uh, ooze you control. So the first one comes in as a 2-2, and then a 3-3, then a 4-4, then a 5-5, then a 6-6, then a 7-7, then an 8-8, then a 9-9. And so you go tall and wide at the same time. 
but it allows you to basically have like a tendrils line where you can chase down a lethal line that only involves casting five or six spells. And I mean, against a lot of decks, you cast five spells, you make you make five or six creatures. I'm just gonna, I, I attack you three times, the game's over. Like you can't you can't answer that. So, and it also is a creature, so it dodges a lot of the counter spells going on. It, do, it dodges Flusterstorm. It dodges Pact or uh, Force Negation. It dodges Spell Pierce. It do, a lot of that stuff. Oh, ouchies. Um, sorry guys, I've been having a lot of ear pain lately. But no, this deck is. One, I I love playing this deck. I actually miss playing. I haven't played it. I haven't. Oh, it has Empty the Orange too. Um, I haven't played it very much recently, and I this makes me really want to hop back on and and uh, play it. And it's it's only a hundred ninety tickets. It's cheap to rent too because there's nothing in here that's crazy expensive. Like the only Modern Horizons two card I think is Ave. Like I could be wrong. Um, this has Suspend in it, which is a cool little um a little pseudo like bounce spell like get out get away from me mm-hmm. a little answer, but like. Is there anything else in here that's MH2? Yeah. No. No MH2 cards except for Ave and Suspend. Okay. Uh, fourth place. Probably one of my least favorite decks to play against ever. I hate this fucking deck. Fuck this thing. I hate it so much. And I I, I just lost to it a couple of times in a row. with having I lost it having all the answers, having three counter spells, and I still got fucked. Uh, Glimpse Combo. So this is the... I haven't seen this for a while. No one's played it for a long time. It's definitely the worst Cascade deck, the worst Cascade deck, um, but it's obviously still fucking amazingly good. Based around Glimpse of Tomorrow, uh, so you're cascading into this spell where it says shuffle all permanents you own into your library, and then reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put all the non-aura permanent cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then do the same for aura cards, then put the rest on the bottom. So... The whole point of the deck is to storm the board with permanence and with, with things like uh, like Gemstone Caverns, uh, Colony Garden, where it comes in and makes a token, uh, just tons of stuff that just comes in and makes things exist, and then uh, spamming a Violent Outburst or a Charlotte's Agent or an Ardent Plea and rolling into what is usually just a line that keeps it going. So there's this... What's that? It's like three red red for a creature and you get to flashback a card for free from your graveyard. It's like dwellers or something or uh I know what you're goblin it's a goblin. Yeah. I always mix it up with another one. Well, regardless, the point of it is it keeps it going. And so you, you just do it again. This one went a bit of a different direction where instead of having a bunch of super wide hits and just keep the keep it going, get to fairies, get some planeswalkers, get some creatures, it wants to hit omniscience, emrakul. Or Atraxa. Yep. Um, any one of those at a decent point in the game is probably close to game ending. And a couple of them is almost for sure game ending. So definitely a very different way to build the deck where instead of going very... Because the whole point of the deck is you start off by going very wide. And then just go wider and wider and wider. This one goes to the fucking moon tall. <laughs> like yep. I'm going to make four or five... I'm going to make three or four tokens. And turn them into Emrakul's. <laughs> Because it hits your lands too, it it, it picks your lands up too. Yeah. So like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna get three or four things out, and yeah, turn them into an uh, an Atraxa, an Emrakul, and an Omniscience. Good luck, guys. Oh, I'm sorry, and one with a multiverse. Looked right over that one too. Yep. Like baby, like worse Omniscience, but still really good. One with the multiverse, six blue blue for an enchantment. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library which goes, or it doesn't work with omniscience, I guess, that's from your hand, but 
Um, once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. So worst omniscience, but a lot of times doesn't fucking matter. Like one spell from your hand to the top is enough. Yeah, I mean if you if it's just Emrakul, the game's yeah, over. Anyway. Or yeah, if it's Emrakul, or if it's if it is omniscience, or if it's another if it's just another um, cascade spell. Yeah. It's like, well, let's spin the wheel again. Yep, doing it again. So, um. A really cool deck. I just don't like playing against it because it's strong. Uh, sideboard has a bunch of anti or uh, anti anti combo cards. So things like Mystical Dispute, Force Negation, uh, more Gemstone Caverns, Bosages to answer uh, and, and those relevant stuff can't come into play. Artifacts and enchantments, Leyland of Sanctity. Don't you know? Don't thought size. Don't thought seize me, bro. Uh, subtlety stuff like that, and a twin shot and a couple twin shot snipers. Okay. Let's run through these pretty quick because we've got three Merktide Regent decks. So is it Merktide? Um, we'll start with, uh, what place is this? Start with fifth. And is there anything in here special? No. No, nothing in fifth. Anything in fifth? Uh, or in sixth? Uh, invasive Surgery is cool, but like it's a sideboard card. And we've talked about no. it before. Yeah, no. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, nothing really interesting in any. These are all almost the exact same creature base, same spell base. Um, just isn't Merktide, doing isn't Merktide things. So then eighth place, wrapping it up, we've got Indominal Creativity, that deck we were just talking about. Orvar has really put a hurting on it, but it did show up in this top eight. Um, interesting pickup here, three late Liliana. We're actually running three Lilianas. Um, kind of makes sense. You do get some pseudo interact or some pseudo value from being able to discard your Archons. I mean, that's not there's only four of them in the deck, so it's not crazy good. But, you know, when you're playing a combo deck, the ability to pressure your opponent's hand size so they can't just stockpile on counter spells is relevant because you only need one to resolve. You get one spell to resolve for the most part. Game's over. Um, but after that, there's not really much in here that's particularly interesting or new. Like, you know, you've got your creativities. Um, you don't have your uh, transmogrify. You're on just four creativity for this mm -hmm. list. Uh, but bitter reunions, fables, thought seizes. You know, you have, you have that persist reanimation package yeah, they, in there. They go with the reanimation as opposed to the eight. Um, yeah, the indomitable creativities. Yeah. So the yeah, so yeah, the Lilianas is an interesting pickup, but nothing else really going on in there. And then the sideboard, more anti anti combo stuff. Uh, the biggest things, the 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 big changes are probably going to be the Iona and the Emrakul. Just some additional good hits to be a little more situational getting late it's a little faster but we did have you know three of the same deck that helps and modern Yay. hasn't legacy was more diverse than modern, modern this week yes well like modern hasn't seen a huge shakeup recently legacy saw a decently big shakeup well at least the top eight was oh the... jesus christ look at this murktide regent in the top or in 20 28 of the meta top 32 we had nine murktide isn't murktide decks four creativity lists at 12 and a half percent four crashing footfalls lists Two Yogmoth, two of that uh, red. Is that Boros Ragavans? What those usually are? Uh, Boros with white. So what is that? Uh, Boros and Boros, white. Boros is red and white. Oh, I'm sorry, Boros with blue. That's uh, Jeskai. Jeskai. That Jeskai Ragavan list. Uh, then we have one of Living End, Twiddle Storm, Rakdos, all that shit. One Flame Rift in the burn deck. Card is good. Most played cards: Lightning Bolt, Mistress Bobble, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration. Consider. Top Creatures, Ragavan, DRC, Ledger Shredder, Murktide, Endurance, and Top Spells, Lightning Bolt, Mistress Bobble, Expressive Iteration, Consider, and Counterspell. 
Alrighty, Matt, that brings us to the end of our regularly scheduled programming. Was there anything else this week in Magic you wanted to talk about? Nothing notable that I remember. Okay. If that's the case, we're going to head on over to the Patreon exclusive content. So if you guys want to get a piece of that content, head over to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Hop in there, that $5 tier. You get some extra content from us every single week. Maybe check out some of those merch tiers as well. But... Matt, if you don't have anything else and nobody wants to contact us at our Gmail, cantripcartel at gmail.com, or our Facebook, or our Twitter, or our Instagram, or anything else that's all Cantrip Cartel, then I think we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So I'm going to float to blue. Um, I'll play my Lotus Field, uh, and then I'm going to cast Twiddle targeting it. Do you have any responses? This wasn't modern. I was going to mana short you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells, casting ales, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and ranger scrounge the sylvan libraries for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burn all the birch lorian mounds Gaia's cradle exhaled carpet of flowers unwound birds of paradise sang tropical islands of sound allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds jake and matt pondered deeply all this magic they found through their visions doused in serum they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds the masses make the voices heard share the truth the magic through ancestral visions they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel draw cards with the cantrip cartel Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.